So dark the con of man. No. It doesn't say that. Is it another anagram? Can you break it? Professor Harry. Harry. Moon. Sermon. Charms. Demons, omens, codes, monks, ranks, rocks. Madonna of the rocks. Da Vinci. That could have gone a lot better, guys. Oh, no. Uh, welcome to the Dan Brown Code. I'm Lena. I'm Forrest. We're apparently drinking out of plastic glasses today. I swear they're glass glasses. It's just that they're so full of Aperol spritz that the clink they made is disappointing and hollow and lifeless, much like the move we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> That's what we call a segue in the business. Aperol spritz, the official drink of the Dan Brown Code. Yeah, it's also point. technically a Campari spritz because they were out of Aperol at the mm. liquor store tasty tastes about the same yeah so we watched this film oh god it took you a long time to watch it (laughs) i i I mean i effectively watched it like twice sort of so i watched it half hour by half hour by half hour (laughs) at like night when i was falling asleep and or not sober and then finally yesterday i was like i gotta like watch it in full because i don't remember anything about it (laughs) And so I went down to a friend's house and made him watch it with me. Although, as a mercy maneuver, we did not watch the extended version. And Lena, I have to tell you. I mean, I've watched the extended version. I've watched it all. I've watched it all. I've watched it all. However, I didn't make my friend do it. But I have to tell you, (laughs) I am so sorry. (laughs) They're the same movie. There's no difference. I looked online this morning at, like, the differences between them. And almost all of them are like, oh, five seconds added of more walking down a hallway. Why would you <laughs> release that? I don't know. There's like there's like three differences. Like Fash is a little more apologetic at the end. He gets an extra scene of apologizing, and like we get twenty more seconds of Silas's backstory, so we understand an earthquake helped him escape from prison, as opposed to just nothing. You you do know I how mean, much longer the extended edition is, is. It is a full half hour longer. It is twenty seven minutes long. And that is almost all in ten second chunks, just added to scenes because Ron Howard doesn't know when to fucking yell cut. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Since Digital Fortress doesn't have a film, I get to pick the movie for Digital Fortress. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Actually, have you seen Hackers? I've never seen Hackers. That's like young Angelina Jolie, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. We should just watch that or I The Matrix that. or something. Yeah, oh God, the Matrix. I love The Matrix. Me too. Um, okay. But instead, we'll talk about the Da Vinci Code film. Yeah, let's talk about the Da Vinci Code, the movie. I want to start off by saying this film... I watched it with my little brother. It is impossible to set your brightness or your sound for this film. Yeah. It goes between unintelligible and extremely dark to like extremely bright and loud and action-packed within five minutes. And it's... The when is it action-packed? <laughs> I mean, there's Ron like, Howard action-packed. There's a, there's a couple gunshots. There's a, a smart car car chase. Oh, my God, the car chase. <laughs> oh. I did a little better clocking the music this time around. I believe it's still Hans Zimmer, right? Yeah. For a man whose career has like been a couple good things and then a lot of fucking weak efforts, this is the weakest effort of all time. This is the weakest Zimmer. Like the, the weakest Zim, if you will. A couple different chase scenes have this thing under them that I 
swear to God, you just pull out a garage band. It's called Chase Scene Loop. <laughs> and I, and that, it has to be what it is because that's what it sounds like. It's really awful. You get some like exciting swells at the very, very end. Yeah, um, but those... So I was watching it with a, with a friend, as I said. Uh-huh. And so that starts off. He starts just singing the melody. And he's like... And then it goes exactly where he's just sung. Like, this is uh, pretty predictable. And I was like, watch, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is the kind of pulsing violins in the background. You're going to continue and get louder and higher. And this melody the cello is doing right now, a French horn is going to come out and be doing it later. <laughs> and sure enough, one or two minutes later, as, as, as Robert Langdon's walking through the darkened streets of Paris. <laughs> French horn is on the scene. Just doing this. <laughs> Your friend got zimmed. <laughs> yeah, we all did. Do you think Hans Zimmer wrote the... Uh What's it called? The code songs? I don't the know. riddle song? The riddle song. <laughs> which is I, I it's 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 do 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 Yes. Do, do, do. <laughs> God, okay, let's start from the let's start from the very beginning. It's uh, well, I mean, from your first notes, I guess. I don't my have My first lo- my first note is have you ever seen a crowd going ape shit because it's just beautiful <laughs> scenes like action scenes in the in the Louvre that are just like, oh, yeah. moving. Um I wish I had just watched that music video for two and a half hours. Yeah. It's a good music video, and this is a... It's not even... That's the thing. It's not even a bad film. It's just so it's poorly made. And, like, boring, right? Like, there's bad movies that I love, like Geostorm. I yeah. highly recommend Geostorm. I've been meaning to watch it. I watched Rampage there at night. Uh, oh, <laughs> I, I like that a lot. Rampage. Is that is that the new one with Dwayne Yeah, with Johnson? The Rock. Yes. I, I paid money to watch it again. <laughs> Since I'm living with my parents and don't pay rent this entire year, I've been paying films. money for a lot of dumb shit. <laughs> We open with the scene that we open with in the book, right? Yeah, Sonier getting chased through the Louvre by Silas. And Great then getting casting shot. for Sonier, I would like to say. I like him a lot. He also does, like, I had to look it up and make sure he was actually a French actor because mm-hmm. the accent work he's doing for a French accent is so cartoonish. <laughs> he goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's my favorite thing in the world. Um, Silas is there. Silas played by P- Pete Bellamy? Uh, Patrick Bellamy? No, that doesn't sound right. Hold on. Uh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. There we go. Uh, who also plays Vision. He does. He's There's something about uh, Paul Bettany where I far prefer him without our eyebrows. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's something very strong and yet delicate about his face that it's doing on its own with just bones that once you add eyebrows, it starts to look... Look too British. Or well, something. I mean, maybe maybe you also just like it when he's painted weird colors. I do like that. He's hot. He's very hot. <laughs> um, even in like they do a lot of work on his face to try to make it less hot. Like it's very sallow and sunken, and like and like he's got like he's got like really just sunken features in this, and they emphasize that and make him look like he's been awake for three weeks and you're like oh yes it's just giving me like gerard way like 13 year old lena emo band plus like like let me care for you yeah and and like also he is extremely sexualized like the scenes where he's tightening his cilice around cilice around his leg are like explicitly sexualized and orgasmic it's, and it's not my fault that I thought that. No, it's, it's Ron Howard's for showing his arching foot as he like <laughs> It's been like a bit of a dry spell on my end and like <laughs> Alina <laughs> It's been it was a lot for me to handle. It was very, very sexy. He has short hair, which the the book Silas does not have short hair. He has long hair. Does it say he has long hair? Or did we just assume yes, that? Yes, we had a conversation okay. about it where I assumed his hair he was bald, and okay. he wasn't. Uh, he's just albino. He's these crystal blue eyes and like this constant like pained marble like 
like uh, like Michelangelo's David. He's a very tragic time. figure. God, he's so gorgeous. <sighs> okay. <laughs> and then we cut to the exact opposite of sex appeal, which is <laughs> Dan Brown, Dan Brown, or Robert Langdon giving a lecture. Um, and as as bad as his lectures are in the books, his lectures on film are a hundred times worse. A hundred times. So it's intercut with the murder scene, right? Mm-hmm. Or the, not the murder scene, but uh, Sonier yeah. doing his stuff. Yeah. Um, so in between that and we get like Robert Lincoln pouring a glass of water and then the other guy like painting blood on the wall. And I'm like, this isn't enough of a parallel. Robert Langdon has it. this carafe that is exactly the same size as the glass he's pouring it into. <laughs> drove me insane just like have a glass of water on stage um tom hanks has a haircut it is so rough it is the it's so confusing the haircut why it's actually very similar to um there's a Nicolas Cage haircut that keeps cropping up. Yeah, it it looks like What's that. What's the film where he's a the Weatherman? Have you seen the Weatherman? I've not seen the Weatherman. Okay, it's the Weatherman haircut where it's okay. just like lifted and like yeah. backwards, but not like like in the Proud Boy haircut. It's definitely no. just like it's a little too long and he's balding. It's like it's like a little wavy. His hairline's receding, but he's got a widow's peak. Just the widow's peak is like too far back. It's like it's got a widow's peak, but the widow's peak is male pat- pattern baldness. Yeah, it's it's disconcerting, and you never get over it. And it makes Tom Hanks look a million years old. And like it looks, makes him look like such a douche. It like, takes it takes a lot of work to make Tom Hanks like an unappealing figure, like not unappealing in a like sexual way, but yeah. unappealing in like a avuncular uncle kind of way. Like you want to <laughs> like Tom Hanks in this movie. Like they make Tom Hanks unlikable and just seem like a dick all the time he's on screen, and that takes a lot of work. And the first thing we see him do, first of all, it says professor of religious symbology which i'm still not convinced <laughs> is a thing um but also the first thing we see him do is just like dunk on college students who are in college to learn right so like he gets on stage and he's like what does this represent i mean and they're like nazis and he's like ha you thought in, like, his, in his defense these students are dumb <laughs> like so a they're like incredibly eager beaver kiss-ups and also um this is i believe if i don't count this scene in the movie this is where I'm going to say, outside of this scene, I believe there are three total women who speak in this movie. Uh, yeah. I kept a running tally on my phone. Wait, t- three? Oh, because yes. the grandmother. Yes. All right. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Anyways, so he like shows a picture of, um, what's the first one? Is the first one the trident? No, the first one, Mm-mm. he shows a picture of people who looks like KKK hoods. Yeah. And he's in Paris, and I don't know how like much the iconography that KKK carries over into Europe. Like, I don't know. No idea. Should but anyways, call someone in Paris? so yeah, <laughs> so he like opens this up. And he's like, what does this represent to you? And then like instantly three, like, hatred, racism. Um, just these people instantly, no one's raising their hands. It's chaos. And then Robert is like, that'd be very hurtful for these priests in Spain to learn as the picture zooms out. And it's these priests in Spain and garb similar to KKK outfits and then it's like a trident that shops pops up and it doesn't look like the pitchfork and he's like yeah it looks like a trident and he's like what about this symbol they're like the devil pitchfork uh hell and he's like poseidon would be shocked (laughs) and then um finally it's a statue of an infant nursing at a mother's breast and this is the craziest one to me because like I can sort of see how your first thing for KK is hatred and racism I mean obviously and then how, how your first thing if you see as a devil's pitchfork is the devil but this third one is just like a child nursing at 
a mother's yeah, breast. Like and like and like the mother has very clear like Egyptian Egyptian looking <laughs> braids on her hair. Like, That's an Egyptian statue. And they're like, Madonna and Child, Jesus. And you're like, no. And Robert's like, actually, this is Isis and her infant Horus. And like, oh. And then he the, he uses that as the introduction to his lecture. As behind him, all these like iterations of the swastika play first the nazi one and then like one on the stomach of the buddha and it's like oh my god what's going yeah. on and there's a peace sign and then it turns upside down and morphs into saint peter being crucified upside down and it's insanity uh he talks about we need to like to understand the symbols in our world we have to like hunt through them to find original truth and i don't see how that helps us find original truth it doesn't truth. there's there's no there can be no <laughs> original truth for and it? at least some of the symbols he was showing us don't actually relate to each other um, <laughs> in the slightest yeah but anyways um, then i we, have oh, oh sorry sorry go no no, 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 no please, please 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 i was please. Gonna, i was just going to say we cut to the end of his lecture at the, at oh. the after his lecture when he's doing a book signing i want to make a confession i saw the post on the on the flight instead of watching uh uh this movie and uh I liked it. It was fine. I did not like it. That's okay. I found myself, for the first time in my life, attracted to Tom Hanks watching no. The Post. I no. know. No, there was something about him being, like, brash and in his element that was different for me for Tom Hanks. Okay. And and it was, a, I thought, better than his, like, kind of I'm gonna, thing that I'm he gonna, does most of the time. I'm going to have between one and two embarrassing sexual attractions later in this movie, <laughs> so I won't judge you too harshly on this one. But, I mean, Tom Hanks is not a sexual figure in our in our culture, right? No, he's, he's like America's, much, like, he's America's stepdad. Stepdad. But nice, um, a nice stepdad. And, like, I did not like him in Sully. I did not like him in uh, I Am the Captain Now, whatever that was called. Uh, Captain Phillips. Oh, God, I hated that movie. I only watched, like, the last half hour of it. It's so awful. <laughs> um, but I did like him in The Post, and so watching this film was confusing for me because I had just had a eh, t- minimally sexual experience with yeah. Tom Hanks, and uh, not in person. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then I had to watch this, in which his haircut is, like, a reverse flock of seagulls abomination. It's very bad. Okay, so Silas. Now we get some Silas after this. Yeah, we get we get like. It's so fucking hot. <laughs> he's he's in this thing, and he's like, I uh, chastise my body, and he like takes off his castigo corpus meo. Yeah, and he takes off his uh, robe, mm-hmm. and he's like pale and bloodied <laughs> and muscular as all yeah, hell and broad-shouldered. His back is just ripped to shreds. He's got scars on both legs where Silas goes pretty high up his thigh, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we see almost everything. Oh, yeah. We see we definitely see booty for sure. Oh, a lot of ass. And uh, and uh, his eyes are so bright blue and unlike in the in the in the in the book yeah and uh he's just he like takes it off one leg and he puts it on the other and there's like blood dripping and then he tightens it yeah and then he like goes up on his tiptoes and we like get a close-up on his feet arching and like into the flesh of his thigh and it's it's a lot to handle (laughs) it's really i mean not really early it's about noon on a sunday (laughs) and um I'm going to think about I'm going to go to church later. Are you? <laughs> yeah. I'm not. <laughs> okay, so we go to we uh, uh Robert Langdon is signing books after his lecture. Mm-hmm. And who's there? Leon the professional. And Dan Brown. Oh, and uh, <laughs> 
Wait, is he? Yeah, he's in a, he's like a, he's like in a background. Oh fuck that! Um, I'm so mad now. <laughs> uh, and yes, Leon the professional shows up as uh, as Fesh. Oh, no, 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 he no, does no. not show up. Kole shows up. Kole shows up. Kole is um, one of my embarrassing crushes in this movie, and he's okay. like kind of a gross, fat, like balding guy. Yeah, yeah. And, but he makes it work for him. He does. I had some issues with the casting. I thought it should have been... In the beginning, I thought it should have been reversed. Uh, mm-hmm. I can see that. But then I saw why Fash was cast as Leon the Professional. And it's because Fash is a lot of, like... I'm generally, like, a, a genial guy. And it's yeah. suddenly, like, extreme violence, which is basically Leon the Professional. Just like Eddie Redmayne in um, Jupiter Ascending. I didn't see the that. The movie he should have gotten the Oscar for. <laughs> So he does a lot of, like, there's, like, vulnerability, and there's, like, he has very, like, kind eyes, which are unbecoming when someone's, like, beating the shit out mm-hmm. of you. And so I thought, in the end, that it was good casting. But, yeah. anyway. I mean, I, I do think Kalei works better, in my mind, as, like, a younger man. I agree. And I think he's too old in this. And he also, he has, like, he's almost like a father figure to fashion this one. Yes. Which is weird. Because yeah, in the he's book, like, he's definitely, like looking up to him mm-hmm. like oh, he's such a good detective yeah and this one Kalei is very much like any if you've watched any cop show and there's like the old detective who's good at his job and like you know also pretty unassuming about it but level headed and you know late on in like a later season he might do something and go off the handle on like a child abuser or something but for the most part he's just like the solid one he's a Lester Freeman in The Wire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely that um, but he's there and he's like here's a Polaroid the lengths to which they go in this film to not see the word picture is ridiculous. <laughs> Here's this Polaroid of like a gross dead body. And then Robert Langdon is like, oh my. Um, and so he, they grab the jacket very conspicuously mm-hmm. and they go to the Louvre. And uh, it, it, follow, it follows the, the book pretty closely. Like, is the song that's playing in Collet's car when he drops Robert Langdon off at the Louvre, Bizu Bizu? Zoopy zoopy zoo. Um, Cause I thought it, sounded, it was a man. I, 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 I swear to God, I heard the word bizu in there, and it's I thought it was leading word... up to Captain Bezu Fatch. <laughs> there was. It's, I mean, it's likely that uh, the word bizu was in it because yeah. it's a common French word. It's yeah, fair enough. But <laughs> I think it was there intentionally. So they go into the. He goes to the Louvre and they mm-hmm. do the thing about do you like our pyramid. He's yeah, like, yeah. So this, this is where he meets Fash outside the Louvre, and so our first impression of Fash, who again is Leon the professional, um, is him saying, "Oh, do you like our pyramid?" And Robert <laughs> Landing goes, "Yes, it's beautiful." And he's a scar on the face of Paris. Yeah. And like my accent that I did during the podcast is the exact accent he's doing here. So <laughs> I would like to take any. Um, any apologies I made for a cartoonish Rex accent, I revoked them. It was it's just accurate. <laughs> um, yeah, and so they go in, and Robert Langdon tries to be like, "Oh, it's very interesting how these pyramids are mirrored, foreshadowing." <laughs> and uh, Fash is like, "Will you shut up about the place that I work?" Like, he doesn't work the Louvre, doesn't he? Oh no, he doesn't. He's the he works for the. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so they get in the elevator. And uh, Robert Langdon has a panic attack in the elevator, which is not addressed. So, yeah. So if you read the book, you understand claustrophobia. I was watching it with a friend who read the book when he was a child, but like hasn't since then. And even though he lived with me for several years, uh, somehow didn't learn every single aspect of the character of Robert Langdon, which is shocking to me. But mm-hmm. anyways, so I was like, 
okay, what did you get from that scene? What do you think is going on with Robert Langdon? Why is he so freaked out in this elevator? And he's like, I don't know. I just thought he was nervous or something being around the cop guy. And I was like, yeah, he's claustrophobic, but you wouldn't know because no one addresses it in this long scene in an elevator. It's like, it feels it's like three minutes. Long. And he could easily just be like, what's up with you, dude? And then he could be like, oh, I'm claustrophobic. Because well, like, he even does ask, why are you so nervous, Mr. Langdon? Or yeah. whatever. And then he's just like, uh, looks at his Opus Dei cross. Instead of, because in, in this one, one of our shifts from the book is instead of just being pretty religious and like a member of the Knights of Malta or whatever, uh, Bezu Fash is in Opus Dei. Mm -hmm. I think it's a better choice. It makes more sense. Yeah. Um, So they have like a a tense elevator ride um, and they're walking toward the body of Mm -hmm. uh, Sonier. uh, It plays out pretty similarly to the book. Yeah. I have a question about the video surveillance thing. Mm -hmm. So video surveillance of the entire Vatican is... Louvre. Reasonable. No, Vatican. Oh, yes. And Angel of the Demons <laughs> is reasonable. But it's cost prohibitive to surveil the Louvre. Well, the Vatican has just two millennia worth of hoarded wealth. That's true. Whereas the Louvre only has several centuries. <laughs> so one of them can afford cameras, the other cannot. Um, okay, so they do the thing from the book. Hopefully you've listened to the this podcast before so you yeah. know what happens in the book i'm just really grateful for the lack of harvard flashbacks in this film there's but like there's non-stop other flashbacks yeah but the harvard flashbacks hurt like i don't even remember the harvard flashbacks no not in the movie but oh, in the books whenever yes. he goes back oh, to like teaching to, to lectures yes because we could have easily gotten like blessedly it's only the one lecture yeah it's and it's in the present tense mm-hmm. we don't get to like go back in time and see him see him lecturing at a prison Oh, man, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so uh, then uh, uh, a sexy young Audrey Totu shows up. Mm-hmm. And she's With like... giant anime eyes. Huge anime <laughs> eyes. Um, not very soft features. I would have maybe... No. I would have maybe cast Sophie Marceau in this part just because yeah. she's a little softer, more like soft strength kind of situation. Whatever. Um, I think I generally like... I like Audrey Totu. That's not yeah. that I don't. It's not that I don't like her. I just think, based on the physical description, yeah. I would have cast somebody else. I tend not to get too hung up on physical descriptions in books versus okay. the movie casting, just because like, just because I, like who when cares? I, when, usually, when I picture the characters in my head, I don't pay attention to the physical ones in the book, anyways. <laughs> um, but also, like, I feel like down that road, if I got too hung up on it, I'd become one of the like. Heimdall can't be black. He's a Norse god, guys. And oh, I don't yeah. want to be one of those guys. Got it. What was I going to say? Oh, okay. So she shows up and she mentions that she has a picture of the JPEG because, again, they won't say the word picture in this film. I don't know why. It's a Polaroid or a JPEG. I did not notice that in the slide. She says it in French. Oh. She's like, j'ai reçu le JPEG. And it's yeah. like the most ridiculous. I was, I, was, I was trying to listen along to the French as we went, and my, my listening with French is still not ideal. That's okay. Um, so basically the thing happens where she's like, you're in grave danger and, uh, Dan Brown who, oh, sorry, Robert Langdon. How dare you? (laughs) The police is like, but if I can't trust the FBI, who can I trust? Mm -hmm. Basically. And then we cut to, um, Saint-Sulpice, Sandrine is getting a call from her boss Mm -hmm. saying like, you need to show this monk around right now. she's, She's like getting ready for, or just getting out of bed maybe. Yeah. Um, and she's like not in her nun outfit Mm-mm. and mm. she just looks like a nice old lady 
and she gets this call. It's like, oh, you gotta show this guy around. She's like, wouldn't it be better in the morning? Like, it's nicer than. And he's like, no, it's gotta be now. And then as she's like, okay, whatever, I guess I'll do it. Um, although, like, in a nicer way, because she's a nice woman. Yeah. Uh, ominously, the window is <laughs> slammed shut right in her face by the wind. It's an omen. <laughs> Uh, it's very clever foreshadowing. <laughs> oh, there was a bit uh, 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 where, we, oh, we meet Bishop Aringarosa, mm-hmm. who was like fat and rich, which I liked, because I, I kind of imagined him similar to the Camerlingo. Yeah, he's he's Alfred Molina. Yeah. He's Dr. Octopus. He's the guy from the beginning of Indiana Jones. I liked it a lot. I, he's very good. He's on a Catholic plane and some like very like Killian Murphy, uh, Ronan <laughs> Farrow, sexy journalist guy is like helping him prepare for his press conference. Mm-hmm. He's he was cute. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> Are you not into the the high cheekbone Killian Murphy? Ronan I'm into Farrow Killian Murphy. Thing? Okay. <laughs> I'm not into Ronan Farrow or the guy on the plane. Okay, I am. Um, and I was like, who is this guy? But we only see him for like a hot second. Yeah, so. he just gets yelled at by a Ringarosa for uh, Helping imi- him. Im- imitating a press uh, reporter, Jesus, um, <laughs> too, too, too zealously. Okay, Sophie and Robert are in the bathroom mm-hmm. doing conspiracy K-I-S-S-I-N-G. stuff. They are not doing that. No. They never do, actually. No, I don't think, I think, I think they realized that I think they widened the age gap between them in this movie. Yeah. And also took a look at the way Tom Hanks looks in it (laughs) and look at the way Audrey Tattoo looks in it. And we're like, "Eh." And also realize, like, turning a Harvard professor into uh, James Bond doesn't make any sense. You don't get a different woman every film. Well, Indiana (laughs) Jones. Does he get... But he's actually Harrison Ford That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, meanwhile, Leon is doing some, you know, sleuthing, and he's got a copy of Robert Langdon's Leon the Professional. Fush. Fush is doing what, 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 what? Oh, I've, <laughs> I've just been realizing the parallel. Like, I'm, I'm trying to construct the parallel between the three women in the first three Robert Langdon books and the three women in the first three Indiana Jones movies. Okay, what did you come up with? Well, so in the first one, there's Vittoria Vetra, right? Yes. And she's kind of analogous to Marion Ravenwood in Uh that she's the only one who's, like, really self-sufficient, I think. Like, Sophie, once Robert Langdon comes into the picture, is very needy of him. That's right. And that's pretty similar to uh, that blonde lady in Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm, The blonde lady. God, she's awful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then, spoiler alert in Inferno, isn't the love interest in The Last Crusade the one who turns out to be a Nazi working against them? Yes! Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh, turns out that Harrison Ford and Harris Tweed is more than just <laughs> um, a one-off reference to Indiana Jones. I mean, we know Dan Brown can't invent things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, meanwhile, Leanna's doing his job, and uh, he's got a copy of Robert Langdon's newest book. Actually, it's Sonier's copy of Langdon's mm-hmm. newest book because in this in the film the book is out. It's not like a manuscript that's been shopped around Correct. because we don't want to have to cast a publisher. Yeah. <laughs> like they do, the, they do the they do the putting the thing in a bar of soap and throwing out the thing and then Fash leaves, and they go leaves out. out the window and gets mad and sees a truck and it's like merd. There's a lot of merd in this movie. It's pretty we don't, good. We don't get the scene of the the poor truck driver like yeah. staring <laughs> at it. Fash throwing the soap, <laughs> which is all I wanted to see. It would have been wonderful. Um, but. Uh, 
Langdon and Sophie go and they go to the body of Sonier and she goes like, he was my grandfather. <laughs> and like, they do all that and um, they find the anagram of the, oh, wretched whatever. Oh, yeah, oh, draconian devil, oh, lame, oh, lame saint. saint. And so they realize at this point the scrambled Fibonacci sequence maybe indicates the letter of scrambled. Right, it's, it's quick. In the book, it takes forever. And Robert Langdon starts like, looking at it with a little pad in his hand and writing down possible anagrams. And then and then Sophie goes, do you have an identic memory? And he's like, not quite, but I, I generally remember what I see. And how does a photographic memory help you with anagrams? It does not. Also, <laughs> I would like to uh, double stress that seeing someone try to work out anagrams on a notepad does not hint to you that they have eidetic memory. No, not at all. <laughs> and like they do, they do the thing that like Sherlock does where it's like they highlight letters of the yeah, thing. And just, <sighs> it's very Sherlock. Like, uh, who made that movie? Who does that Sherlock Holmes? Uh, Guy Ritchie. Is it? I mean, Guy Ritchie directs it. Yeah. 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 Um, Robert Downey Jr. Plays Sherlock Holmes. Right? Yeah. 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 The guy, it's very Guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes. A lot of this film is. And psych. Yeah. And uh, surely a ton of other things. <laughs> So they, there's, he tries a lot of different shit, and he should start with Da Vinci because the you know Sonier is in the shape of the Vitruvian yeah. man, and they're like right underneath all the Da Vinci works. So start there, yeah. um, but he doesn't. He starts he a lot goes of other all kinds of dumb garbage. Shit. Yeah. And everybody's like, no, it can't be <laughs> Leonardo, uh, uh, the Mona Lisa. Yeah, and then it's like a almost instant cut over there, isn't it? Yeah, they run to the Mona Lisa. It says, so dark the con of man. And she- uh, I learned from the IMDb trivia section on this part that would you believe they wouldn't let them write on the frame of the real Mona Lisa? I <laughs> so they had the to use, they so they use a prop? <laughs> <laughs> so they... It's, so they go, it says, so dark the con of man. And he's like, Robert's it like, doesn't no, say so dark. No, I can't say that. And it says instead, uh, the Madonna of the Rocks. And he's like, he's like yelling words. He's like, <laughs> moon, moon, uh, rock, Rome. And rock. she's like, Madonna of the Rocks. And so I'm glad we don't get the, oh, yes, yeah, so dark, the con of man. So No, we just get dark. the hint of that. Later on, he does mention that phrase. He like says specifically it's a prior Scion phrase that he's aware of. And I'm like, fuck you. No, Is it's it? not. No, it's not. He says it later on. I think when they're at Lee Teabing's house, he's like, and so that so and truly it was a dark con of man or some shit. I think it's when they were walking through the Bois de Boulogne, which they that do. They be. walk through yeah. it. <laughs> do, do we see someone getting head in silhouette? We, we sure do. do. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this part of like figuring out the puzzles uh, goes really fast. Ah, do 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 do. So oh, they run out to the. Oh, they have the the key, and they're like, "We got to get yes. out of here," basically because they hear sirens coming. Well, he back. also he like. First of all, so when so Dr. Conrad was like, it doesn't say that. And then she pulls up the key, he's like, this can't be this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's, so like in, I think they might have like seen that in the book, Sophie is too useless. Mm-hmm. And so I think they might have steered a little too far in the direction of making Sophie useful and by accident made Robert Langdon too useless because <laughs> he doesn't do shit. <laughs> He really doesn't. He solves the one anagram. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then uh, there's only one uh, cryptex in this movie, mm-hmm. which sucks. Spoiler um, alert. Whatever. <laughs> um, so they're they're running and uh, they leave and they apparently oh there's a there's a car chase in a smart car. Getting the smart car to the car chase. Sophie's an amateur stunt driver. 
Yeah. Um, they, so they drive to the, the embassy and then she somehow doesn't there. notice all the cops outside of it until they're like, she's like 20 feet away from them. And she's like, Man! and they have their, si- their, their lights on <laughs> lights on and everything. Like we've seen them for like at least 10 seconds before she notices. <laughs> and it's like, Sophie, 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 <laughs> Sophie. And she's like, oh, and then she guns it in reverse, gets on the sidewalk and like goes through like cafes and shit and like backwards she's driving backwards through, fucking through rules. Paris it's amazing and then I, does, does she pull some kind of J turn to start going forward that, before no 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 she, or she does it backwards she goes backwards through those those trucks God. So a dream cool. woman that's, that's so cool <laughs> she yeah so there's like a, there's two trucks and they're very close to each other and she drives her tiny tiny smart car as them. as and like all, all every car in the scene is in motion so there's two big ass trucks going through an intersection with a little space between them yeah sophie whizzes her smart car in the gap between those routes like you're not gonna make it you're not gonna make it you're and not gonna make it, it just like just like kira in solo a star wars story uh, do you spell kira k-y-r-a because or no i think it's q-i apostrophe r-a because star one. wars i saw it on a denny's menu <laughs> um dumb 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 also ron howard <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> um, As I said on Twitter, Ron Howard can catch these hands. God damn it! Um, but unlike Han Solo, Sophie Naveau can do this particular maneuver in spite of Robert Langdon's protests to the contrary. But who can't do it are all the cops following them. That's right. So she does that. And then she does not a J turn, my friend, but one of those like slam on the brake 180 turns. So before last night, I would have not known what a J turn was, but oh. last night I was playing the video game Forza Horizon, and I accident and I and I got in reverse doing quite quickly, and then pulled that maneuver in my Ooh. car, and it said, "Nice J turn." That's a J turn. So I thought that's what a J turn was because the video game told me I did a good one. <laughs> <laughs> it might be wrong. I didn't do any more research okay. on it. Okay. Um, anyway, they're driving forward. Okay, so basically, they the whole thing that happens in the train station they don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they buy the fake ticket, but they yeah. do ditch their car at the train station mm-hmm. and get uh, a taxi. They take the taxi to Bois de Boulogne, not because they need to get somewhere, but because they because need to. They need a secluded spot. They need to... a place that the cops won't go, basically. <laughs> so they go to Bois de Boulogne, and uh, there's you know uh, sex workers and drug addicts mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, people who hang yeah. out in places where the cops don't go, and, and they're walking. So they find a picnic table where a man is cooking up some meth, I think? It looked like heroin. Possibly heroin. He's cooking up some kind of drug with a little apparatus. Yeah, and yeah. Sophie's like... I'm a police person. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so what? And and Sophie's like, I will give you 50 euros if you give us all your stuff. I mean, my favorite part is when she's like, I'm with the police, and he's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's not like, he's like, shit. He's like, why? Why? <laughs> my little brother had a lot of... A lot of uh, 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 questions mm-hmm. here and his questions were namely did she pay 50 euros for a table yes to set at a table well she also got his uh hypodermic needles yeah, and, and his candle and also couldn't she have just been like i'm a police officer leave this table well i mean he clearly did not care right she pays 50 euros to sit at a picnic table in a place that is all secluded. They, need, they, they never use the picnic but, table But, like, for she's anything. also a good person because, you know, when she gives him the 50 euros, she's like, buy yourself some food. And it's like, eh, that's probably what I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they get the table so that they can have somewhere to sit and think, which you don't need. You can sit on the ground and think, you can, you can or sit walk and think anywhere. Go into a fucking cafe and think. Yeah, I mean, you I mean, stay in Bois de Boulogne because it's safe there. 
from the yeah, police. Yeah, but like, surely the nice French cafe isn't going to have the TVs inside where it's like, these are the most wanted people in Paris. Yeah. They're, um, they're classier than that, right? I haven't been to Paris. I don't know why. Do they have TVs inside them like everywhere here does. I don't know why the murder of an art curator would make you the most wanted person in Paris. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> the most wanted person in Paris? Really? They're like more dangerous people in Paris. I don't know. I mean, there is that story recently about that guy who like for the fourth time did an incredible wild like movie grade prison escape by bringing a helicopter into the prison and shit. Did you read that? Yeah, yeah, I did. That kicks ass. Yeah, it's amazing. Should, they should be the most wanted. Make that <laughs> ma- A, let's watch a movie about that guy. <laughs> B, uh yeah, let's just watch that movie and fuck this shit. <laughs> Oh man! So they pay fifty dollars for sorry fifty euros sixty five dollars for a table. You don't know what the exchange rate was then. Oh, oh. then no, yeah. I don't. Nice try. Um, there's some flashback casting about. Oh, he's explaining about uh, Mary Magdalene, basically. Uh, yeah. Is this where we get the the only cool flashback, which is the siege of Jerusalem? Yes, it's the siege of Jerusalem. Have you ever seen the Kingdom of Heaven? No. It might, like, I mean, it's, so it's, it's, uh, Orlando Bloom as, I think, Hugh Ibeline, and then, um, I don't know who plays Saladin, mm-hmm. but it's just, like, them, and, uh, it kind of kicks a lot of ass. It's too long and pretty boring, but the Siege of Jerusalem part of it is very good. There's trebuchets firing away and shit. Yeah. It's, it's like that scene in this movie, but, like bigger and better and longer and okay it's really good all right I'm there's also like, there's like, like a lot of boring shit around it too yeah but there's also some good it's a good movie we get a very very lit flashback here uh it's very cool it's uh it's got some brown filter on it like sepia filter because <laughs> it's it's ancient yeah um and it's just the story of the knight's templar basically well, the made-up ass story of the Knights Templar, yes, where the, they're the where they're story. where they are from the inception organization out to find the Holy Grail in Jerusalem and control the church with it. Yeah, there's some pretty incredible casting of like popes and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was really proud of it, and I was proud of Ron Howard for it. And uh, does the shot of the Council of Nicaea come here or later? No, it's here. Yeah, it's here. It's, it's deeply cartoonish it's just it's it's just this big crazy like roman hall style place and it's chock full of people screaming at each other (laughs) they're all kind of waving their arms in slow motion (laughs) because it's the past it's so good there's like a crossfade of robert langdon talking he's like talking about stuff and there's like fire like around him (laughs) it's very silly my brother cracked up my brother is 13 y'all everything is funny i mean i was laughing too (laughs) it's Um, and so he was like, it's the greatest story ever told. Everybody in the world knows about it. And I'm going to tell you, only Christians give a fuck about the Holy Grail. <laughs> like, Excuse me. Are you not familiar with the motion picture, the greatest story ever told? I am not. It's about the life of Jesus. It's not about the Holy Grail. See, I was not. <laughs> I am not a Christian. Uh, never but, happened. Uh, I think you'll find they wouldn't be allowed to call the movie the greatest story ever told if it weren't the greatest story ever told. There's laws about false advertising, Lena. So they get it in a taxi, I think? Yep. Oh, they look at the uh, at the key, and they're like, this is obviously a Swiss, place to go. Yeah. Then they go to the Swiss bank. They go to the Swiss bank. The set is shit. Uh, we don't get to the Swiss bank yet, <laughs> okay. actually. First, we get to Erin Garosa at his meeting. 
Oh God, his fucking meeting. And we get he's in like a fancy limo, and it goes. It's like it looks like Sin City. Have you seen Sin City? I've not seen Sin City. Okay, you know that Hitchcocky and like there's a car I'm, on I'm, a cliff. I, I'm familiar with the aesthetic of Sin City. Yeah, there's a car on a cliff from far yeah. away, and you like slowly zoom in as it like mm-hmm. is going up in a curve. They do that exact thing, <laughs> and they go to there's like a. There's so many unnecessary spinning like establishment shots. Yeah, it's, like, we go up to this castle. We're like hovering the around the castle it. Gandalfo, except it's very clearly like a CGI rendering of the castle Gandalfo. I'm not surprised they wouldn't let him inside. So they go to this place where he's about to meet with all these guys, and they have, you know how was it, what book was it where there was like a complete? Oh no, it was Robert Langdon talking to the Hassassine where they were just not having the same conversation. <laughs> Here's what here's what Bishop Ringarosa says. How are things in Rome? And then whoever he's talking to says, We serve at his pleasure. And then Bishop Ringarosa says, Today is today, but there are many tomorrows. <laughs> and Omar was like, Pause the movie. <laughs> and I was like, What's up? And he was like, What just happened? <laughs> so one thing about this council, whatever this weird council is, is um it's a little different than the book, because in the book, um, it's just like an uh, some kind of normal ass council, and like the rest of these bishops aren't really aware of the Prior of Sion so much. But in this one, they are all clearly aware of the Prior of Sion, and Aringaros has gone a little rogue in terms of like initiating a plan without them. But like they're all more or less in on the plan. And there's one who I don't know who he is, like the really old guy mm-hmm. with the hair like this. He's so good. Yeah, he's that so good. Kicks ass. Yeah, he's the best. So watch, he's like low key, like best friends with Bishop. Arango, yeah. So. so if you've got to watch the movie, uh, pay attention to that guy we're talking about. You'll know who he is. He's the only bishop who's any good aside from Ringarosa. He he, you'll, he has like cool hair. He has like yeah, really cool like, hair. He's, that he's the flies most, off the face. He's of the most prominent feature when he's the oldest one. He's really cool. Yeah. Uh, at the, at the meeting, Ringarosa gets really pissed off, and he's like standing up and spilling his wine. Oh my and shit. god, that um, killed me. Oh my god. And. <laughs> So they're at like a, a long like dinner table thing talking about his plan and Aringaros is like, so I'm going to pay this guy. I need money so I can pay this guy to yeah. like get the Holy Grail. And they do all these like cool shots for no reason, like <laughs> overhead shots and like sideways and like rack focus. And I'm like, Ron Howard, <laughs> go to sleep. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Go, like you go, either go to film school or like forget what you learned in film school. You got to do one of the Has two. Been like, to film school? I have no has. idea. Um, I don't know about the career. I mean, he was, um, uh, what's his name on the Andy Griffith show? Was he Opie? Yeah. Yeah. So he continues to, like, uh, the, the the dialogue is still, like, archaic nonsense. And it says, and they're like, what business say you? And I'm like, people don't fucking talk like that. Get out of here. Um, Brishpringaro says, like, how much blood, something, something, and he spills some wine. <laughs> and my brother was like, that's a little dramatic. <laughs> 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 I mean, they're having a meeting in a castle. It's supposed to be dramatic, right? It just okay. Here's what it is. So you know, the room doesn't have any fucking lights in it. You've seen Django Unchained. I have. So you know when Leonardo DiCaprio gets up and he smashes the skull and he's got blood all over his hands and he's like freaking the fuck out, right? (laughs) Yeah. I know Alfred Molina is not Leonardo DiCaprio. I know that he's. Better looking than Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Although, to be fair, at this point, so is like a common toad. (laughs) But Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, is an actor who acts, and Alfred Molina is also an actor. Yeah. Um, But it was supposed to be like his big moment, and this is his passion, and this is the only thing he 
cares about is getting this money. And he gets up and he just kind of like tips over a glass of wine. And it is not, it does not have the effect intended. It's just like you just made life harder for like whatever poor nun has to clean this up. It's a nice wine too. They brought it up special from the Vatican cellar. Yeah. Uh, we only learned that in the extended edition. <laughs> that two-second scene of them learning the bottle of wine from the Vatican cellar is not a theatrical cut. <laughs> That's the kind of edition that gets made for the extended edition, it's Lena. So I'm so, I'm so sorry. There's also, there's also seven extra seconds of him in the antechamber to the meeting before he goes into the meeting. Oh yeah. In the in the theatrical version, it just cuts from him being outside to being in the meeting. Oh, so we missed the thing about uh, how are things in Rome? We serve at his pleasure. Today is today, <laughs> but there are many tomorrows. So aren't you glad you saw it? <laughs> Do you want to try to clink again? I think we might be. Well, let's give it a shot. I hope these. I hope these. I think that, oh, oh, well, that, well, that was. Yeah. There we go. Better. What was happening? Uh, we're at the meeting and the thing. Now we're at. Uh, now we cut to um, the Swiss Bank. Swiss Bank. This set is ugly as shit. And it's shot like a fucking sci-fi movie. Yeah. It's shot like <laughs> like bells and whistles, and like it's blue filter, of course. Mm. And we have uh, like the camera comes up from below and like scoops upward, and then like <laughs> zooms in toward Robert Lincoln's head. <laughs> like they're walking in, and it's like. Yeah, and I swear to God, like, the set description in the script was just copy-pasted from the novel, where it's, like, you know, a mix of uh, European refinement with modern touches of exposed steel. And then the set dressers were like, well, I guess it just means, like, a very tacky person's idea of nice shit. <laughs> and so it's, like, wood and exposed steel, but it just, like, looks like a CW set, kind of. Yeah, it, it, look, it looks like does. It looks like Arrow's hideout. Do you watch Arrow? No, I don't watch mm. CW shows. Oh, I watch all of them. I know. <laughs> and I'm glad you do, because someone has to. I love them so much. I know. <laughs> Man, there's a, there's a new one that is the worst thing I've ever seen. What, what is it? It's called The Outpost. And, like, it looks like... It looks like... It looks like they're training people to be the production staff for Xena. It looks like sub-Xena level fight scenes and sets. And, like, that's a good show, but the sets are shit on it. Oh, they're garbage. Whereas on the outpost is a bad show, and the sets are even shittier, but they're (laughs) the same kind of aesthetic. It's so bad. What is what is the premise of the outpost? Uh, This sexy elf girl is trying to avenge her dead family. Of elves? I mean, they're, they're, they haven't said elves yet. They're like night dark bloods or something or some black bloods. I don't know. They got two points on the ears instead of one. I don't <laughs> want to see that. That's upsetting to it's, hear it's, about. It's okay. Her hair is always covering it. Good. Uh, it's because they don't have the budget there's for a, it. There's a, scene, there's a scene where like she gets in the first episode, she gets like stabbed in the stomach is about to die and she gets like picked up by a kindly doctor who knows something about something mysterious. Mm-hmm. And so in the second episode, she wakes up and she's in like, whatever bizarre D&D version of a sports bra they've dreamed up. Sports bra? <laughs> and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's like a it's like a bodice sports bra combo. It's so stupid. I love it. <laughs> I'm really glad you're watching it. Um, so they go in, and he's like, key. And then the, the kind banker guy is like, yeah, go to the right. 
right? That's yeah. what happens. But he's as he's doing that, he also has his monitor open, as you must if you're the front desk man of a Swiss bank. You always have your browser open to the Europe or France's top ten most wanted, and he refreshes the page as they leave, and uh oh, they're at the top of it. Well, he works at he works at the Swiss bank. Would you have your fucking monitor open? It's two o'clock in the morning Maybe or some shit. Maybe he needs to in case the most wanted people come into the Swiss bank. I mean, yeah, but like, be honest. If you were guarding a bank all night, it's two in the morning. You're sitting there. Maybe you have that tab open. It's not the one that's fucking up right that's now. That's right. It's probably porn. It's, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't watch porn at work even if I was a lonely Swiss bank bin at night. Um, I mean, I wouldn't either, but I feel like he would. He might. He might. That seems fair. He is parrot French. Swiss. Parrot French Swiss. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, he's European. It's code for horny. <laughs> And some oh, and then they meet. Um, I almost said Vernay. Vernay, um, he's got some hair too. It works a little better for him, but it's weird. He's doing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, his hair is weird, but it was like 2004. So what am I gonna say? Everyone's um, hair is weird, <laughs> except for mine. Mine was great. Mine was no, pretty my, weird. My hair was shit. Then. My hair was fluffy. <laughs> um, and so he's like, we have been doing banking since the beginning of banking, and I'm like, oh, the Knights Templar. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. Um, there's so many gimmicky shots, and it's the most forgettable soundtrack ever, and Tom Hanks is bad at expressing fear, and it's just bad and bad. But they do the exact thing that they do in the book, where, uh, well, okay, not quite. So he's like, okay, you just need your account number and your key. And she's like, what if I've misplaced my account number? And he's like, then you're fucked. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but they immediately figure out that it's the Fibonacci sequence. It's not like a long drawn out thing. Yeah. And then we get, actually, we get the view of the arm grabbing the thing and bringing it to them on the conveyor belt instead of like a long paragraph of, ha- it's just so much nicer to watch things and not have to read them. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's... sort of. It is three hours long. <laughs> Again, whose fault? But like. <laughs> Ron Howard's. <laughs> It is Ron Howard's fault. <laughs> I will not take the blame for this. I was trying to watch the most complete version possible. I'm glad we know that today is today and there are many tomorrows. <laughs> um, but they get the box and they take out the box and Vernay is like, the police are here and your uh, contract has an exit clause. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what a, is a an exit A safe passage clause. Safe passage clause, sorry. Vernay is like, get in the box. And Tom Hanks like, I know it's supposed to be expressing fear, but is really just expressing like, looking at a box does that make sense <laughs> yeah like, he doesn't he doesn't want to get in the armored car but it's very hard to tell why it's right, like right. you just think it's like i have to get in this thing it's ugly in there it doesn't look nice at <laughs> all it looks like he just looks at it like my apartment full of stolen artifacts is much better yeah than this. um they do the rolex scene which is cool mm-hmm. it, it goes well because it's with Colet and Colet yeah. is dope and he's like he's got like a cigar and he's like <laughs> Why do they all have Rolexes? And Vernet is like, I'll sell it to you for 35 years. I also kind of like that. Uh, I think that Vernet tries to throw Calais off his senses in a way that he doesn't in the book, where, you know, at first Vernet is like asking about it in French, and then he's like, Oh, I, I'm from Zurich. I don't speak French. Mm-hmm. Um, English? And then Vernet's like, Anglais, oui. And, then, yeah, yeah. and so they have the conversation in English, and. Uh, I thought that was a fun touch on top of it. Vernet puts on a very exciting accent that I like. Yeah, it's it's like Swiss Germany. Yeah. It's cool. Um, this is not about the film, so you can cut it. I'll never. Okay, this this movie. 
Oh, they put Langdon in the box, and Langdon doesn't isn't happy. He's in the box. Oh yeah, he is sweating like a motherfucker. <laughs> they make him look like shit. He are, like he looks like shit this entire movie, but like they really ham it up for this scene. It's disgusting. They're really trying to make him look as much like Nicolas Cage as possible. <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> he's like, and so he's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, I, "I'm I'm fine. I'm fine." And then she's like. Let me see if I can help. Oh, not yet. Not oh, yet. It doesn't happen yet. First of all, I would like to leave Langdon in the box forever. Second of all, he asks her if she believes in God. And she goes, no. And she goes, do you believe in God? And he was like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, what makes you think you can prosecute the spirituality of other people if you're not willing to answer the same question, yeah, you asshole? He sucks. He's like, I was raised Catholic. And it's like, answer the fucking question, Robert Langdon. <laughs> I mean, God did abandon him in a well. <laughs> it's true. Um... And then uh, she heals him with her magic healing. Yeah, hands. so she's like, "Oh, my my mother taught me this. I don't know why it works, but it does." And she like just grabs his temples with her hands and like leaves them there for a second, kind of like it does a little circular thing. I have done like a temple massage to people, and it has helped their anxiety. And while we're doing this, we get a flashback oh to her God. mom just having done. Th- we don't see her mom doing it, but her mom presumably just took her hands off Sophie's temples. And the young Sophie is very adorable. I like so her a lot. Cute. <laughs> so cute, so like this like, freckly, little... freckly little French kid, little black hair. Okay. And so she's like in the back of the car, and then I was like, "Oh, is it better, Miss Bot?" And then, <laughs> and then, and then, as she's turning back forward, we see this semi truck looming in the fucking windshield. It's like, oh, and then. <laughs> <laughs> so loud and upsetting and my brother like nearly pissed his pants it was so awful and then we cut straight back to Sophie taking her hands off of Rowling's temple he's like it is better um, and women are here to heal men as we know only if those women are descendants of Jesus Christ I think she has Jesus Christ magic powers she and that's and that is why that is why I know that <laughs> is why in Angels and Demons his claustrophobia is gone because Sophie Neveau cleared it yes that was my question <laughs> Did she cure his Yes, because oh she's the great. <laughs> what the fuck? It's so bad. On this note, I'm going to refresh my apparel spirit. Would you like your more as well? Yes, please. Okay. Is this a good moment to do the men? Yeah, I need to find that book. Oh, man. We're not doing 187 Men to Avoid this week because I can't find the book. You're all very welcome. <laughs> Lucky you. Oh. What we will do instead... Oh, go. I was doing some, uh, I was on an archaeological expedition <laughs> this morning. Okay, let's do it. And I found something very curious. What I found, Lena, I found a uh, metal cylinder, maybe, uh, I don't know, six feet long by two feet. Six feet? feet? Inches, 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 inches. Okay. Inches? Five inches? I don't know. It looks about five inches. It's a, it's a brass cylinder. It's got some, it's got six rows of letters, so oh. 26 letters of the Roman alphabet engraved around it. A and you can, you can, it's it's kind of like a cryptex, and it came with a clearly ancient piece of parchment I found with it. Um, what fire was it in? It's it's impossible to say, <laughs> but it's some kind of riddle, and I'd like to I'd, I'd like to enlist the help of um, you, the podcast listeners, to help us solve the riddle to the cryptex. All right, a callous word that nonetheless inspires. Is all the key the simple tube requires? We love tubes. The, one... uh, the, the scribe in the past loved tubes. <laughs> the one who does the work, it stays unseen. Might well be one to find what lies within. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll post a picture of this in case uh, 
you know, you need help deciphering it. But we need help deciphering. It. I can't, I can't solve this puzzle. So, uh, you know, help us out, and we'll see where this where this trail leads. I, for one, am very excited about it. So, wait, what do you want the listeners to do? Oh, to I want them. The I want them. To, I want them to figure out what I need to enter in this cryptex. It's a six letter cryptex because in the past. Um, Unlike in unlike in Dan Brown's fevered imagination, the actual historical makers of cryptex use six-letter versions and not five-letter ones. And by the hand of some unknown scribe, by the by the handwriting, I'd say maybe 16th century, but I don't know. <laughs> Either way, a very talented calligrapher. Mm. <laughs> Certainly not one <laughs> brushing it off in the last ten minutes before they had to do something else that day. <laughs> <laughs> she heals yeah she heals his his claustrophobia forever and we yeah. never have to worry about it again um which is nice because it was so clearly explained in the movie to begin with and then um Vernet opens up the door pointing a gun at them yeah yes. and this scene plays out pretty much exactly like the book yeah with the with the bullet and the thing it's got some like weird Zack Snyder 300, like, speed up, slow down yeah. business. Which, this movie came out before 300, so I guess Ron Howard is a trailblazer? I think Zack Snyder been done that before. Oh, okay. I, think. I don't know. I don't follow his career. <laughs> I do like... I think he did the Dawn of the Dead remake. I like that one quite a lot. Quite a lot. It's good. Okay. So they beat Vernet's ass and they get out of there. <laughs> And they don't, they don't take the gun. They, they don't, don't take, take the, the gun. gun. Idiots. And, and at no point do they hijack a taxi with a gun. That never no. happens. I'm it makes sense to me to let that out. Yeah. Um so they get in the armored, armored car, car. That's what it is, and they're going. She's talking I don't know. There's a lot of like revealing of like, Oh my my grandfather, did you see like a sex ritual? Like like that's all happening. I'm not discussing yeah. it because I don't know what order it all happens in. I mean we don't find out that it was a sex ritual in this one till the very, very end. end. Yeah. Um, which is better because she's because he has like one the big fight with her grandpa was and she tells him about a fight that happened when she was a very small child when she was much younger and so yeah. like I was like it's like a fight about her trying to find out who her parents are yeah and he like gets mad I guess we found out that one later too but like it's weird because the fight she refers to is happened when she's quite young and it's like then why how do, how why were you still living there for eight years if your no, big fight was she, when he you sent were... her to boarding school the next week oh okay i didn't catch that yeah we were um drinking aperol spritzes yesterday <laughs> i love aperol spritzes <laughs> they're good and they are the drink of the summer they're so good um <laughs> so they're in the thing uh he talks about how we have to find a word to solve the cryptex yes and then there's a quick like cut to the crypt not cut to the cryptex but like I don't know. Like, it's like a, it's almost like a flat, it's like a fade in, fade yeah. out. And it shows them putting the word Sophie into it. Oh, it does? It really does. I went back and I checked. I it, says that. Sof- it says like Sophia, but spoiler alert, the, the password to this cryptex is not so- Sophia. Yeah. I mean, the, the flashback I remember from this is, uh, Sophie's like t- explaining to him like what a cryptex is. And then Robert Langdon says, I've never met a girl who knows so much about cryptexes. And he says it kind of flirtingly. No, I want to puke. No. And then it cuts back to like the, the young stuff. like, oh, I got one from my grandfather when I was a child. And it's like this ugly wooden piece of shit cryptex. <laughs> wow. It looks, like a, it looks like a domino. <laughs> it does. It's really <laughs> ugly. Um, she, he says that 
this is a uh, there's a there's a okay there's a bunch of establishing shots as they're going toward uh, uh, Chateau Villette Chateau Villette and it's ugly and I hate the way that they shoot the Chateau Villette and I hate the way they follow <laughs> the car I hate it so much and he says that this cryptex is a hot tamale and I'm like Robert Langdon would be one of those white people who calls the cops on people who are barbecuing oh 100% but he calls, it, he calls it a hot tamale and Sophie's like never heard this Anglicanism and or Anglicism I guess and and so he's like what, what's his second? His second thing isn't the one it should be. His second thing is something even weirder. Um, a hot commodity? A hot maybe. Topic? Maybe. He's like, he's like, it's a hot tomato. She's like, oh, he's like, you might as well say a hot potato next. Yeah, like, well, well, he says that third, and then she's like, oh, yes. He's like, hot tomato? Uh? Uh, hot item? I don't know. Hot potato? Oh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. It's a, it's a hot potato. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he would 100% mm. like see like a, like a like a I don't know like a black family like barbecuing <laughs> near Harvard Commons Harry, in Somerville and be like pomme de terre chaud <laughs> <laughs> be like well actually <laughs> trident <laughs> the police fuck you Robert Langdon I hate you so much your hair is bad and he doesn't even wear tweed you're not even Harrison Ford and Harris tweed because you're not wearing tweed oh, yeah. in this movie it's rough so they go to the Chateau Villette. I'm sorry and oh, Lena's having a breakdown. This is uh, this is now a um, death metal podcast. We're having a breakdown. Death metal, emo, pop, punk, oh, punk, just punk. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's only one genre. It's probably ska. New Orleans bounce has breakdown. That's true. God, New Orleans bounce kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> Have I'm you ever sorry. watched Treme? Yes, I love Treme. I haven't seen a lot of it, but I've seen. Oh, I episodes. love that show. Uh, listener, look. I first of all, sober. I hate Robert Langdon's portrayal. So <laughs> Tom much. Hanks's. Tom Hanks's portrayal of Robert Langdon. <laughs> so much. It's so awful. I hate Dan Brown. I hate Robert <laughs> Langdon <laughs> because he's like extreme Dan Brown, and I hate how Tom Hanks plays him. <laughs> and I'm just. <laughs> I have a couple April spritzes in. I haven't had any solid food today. And oh I'm just no. Like, <laughs> I had a heavy breakfast this morning. I'm happy for you. Um, <laughs> now that the local food hour is over. Um, um, I'm just what having we talking a hard about? time talking uh, about this film. They pull up to the Chateau Villette. The intercom's on the wrong side because, uh, you know, we talked is an asshole. Yeah. And uh, whose voice should come over the intercom but the inimitable Sir Ian McKellen? He really is inimitable. He does a good job in this film with... Sorry. Are you okay? What kind of tea shall I serve? <laughs> it's not a good invitation for us. Milk or lemon? Stop, stop. <laughs> in know, what year? You know, you know, you know, you know, you know I hate you, your voice in the front of your mouth. <laughs> Please. That's what he sounds like. I can't it, help it. It does sound like that. No, I don't. It does. Anyways, um, so they go through the answer the riddles, and it's stupid and robert's like leaning over sophie in a weird way and she's be like i don't know this trivia question and he's like oh i'm not uh, sure and then at the at the end of it um ian mckellen says you may pass and man and remember that other movie n- <laughs> yeah. well the, n- no, no, you shall not pass 
Right. His iconic line from the Fellowship of the Ring to the Balrog, the flame of Udun that guards the mines of Moria from the passing Fellowship. That creature of Morgoth. You know, I've only... I've never seen, like, a full Lord of the Rings film. Oh, Lena, you should not show me that. They're so long for us, and I don't care at all. <laughs> we have, well, my brother stole them, and they're in Boston now. But we have the all three extended editions. I'm sure you do. And so uh, does my I used to I used to come home like every fucking day in ninth or tenth grade and watch them with a different commentary on. Didn't you have things to do? In yeah, not at all. Not at all. No. And do you think you could go head to head with Stephen Colbert on Tolkien or no? Uh, probably not. Okay, but maybe. I would, I would, I, I want you to try. Yeah. I want to see it. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't seen it. We can make that happen. Because I am not like a big fantasy person. Um, yeah, it's fine. And my boyfriend keeps trying to get me to watch them, and I won't. I won't do it. It's I watched fine. like a, a YouTube version where they like cut all the films together, and we're like, this is what you need to know. So I did like a, a Spark Notes version. Yeah, that's probably sufficient. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I am aware that he does say, you shall not pass, and so it's similar than, yeah. you shall pass. Um, and that's the last interesting thing that happened for the next half hour of the movie. <laughs> right. So the rest uh, just happens, you know, the film. The them in Chateau Villette where Langdon and Teabing are trying to explain to Sophie the entire thing about the Holy Grail and Mary Magdalene is arduous. They try to introduce some conflict because like in the book Langdon's kind of on the same page as Teabing and they both kind of believe in this theory, but like in the movie they try to make it like have a sousant of conflict by having Robert be skeptical about it. And so like, they get in these occasional yelling matches where it's like, Oh God, this is so stupid. Why are these idiots yelling about this? Oh, I want to die. I mean, I think the reason that they do it though, is to show that like, um, Teabing is a bit of a zealot, right? Yeah. He's willing to bend facts to fit his mm-hmm. worldview. Um, because spoiler alert, that's that's what he's all about, right? Yeah. He's such a fanatic about the Holy Grail that he's willing to kind of do whatever, including like bend the truth and murder people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I get why they do it because it helps lay the groundwork for like Teepin's a little crazy, you yeah. know. Whereas in the book, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, but I also no, like... it is arduous. And like if I was telling a story like Teepin was and. Robert Layton kept interrupting me, I would whack him with my cane. (laughs) Yeah. I also like that instead of having crutches in this one, Teabing has these two kind of like three quarters length canes that he uses instead. Yeah. It's way cooler. It's way, way cool. (laughs) I like it a lot. Um, He's still kind of a weird creep. Uh, According to the trivia, Ian McKellen wrote a backstory where the giant portrait we see next to him all the time of this like random lady is his dead wife and like oh, i kind of like i kind of liked the idea of teabing as perpetual bachelor i felt like again he should have been portly that's always mm-hmm. my feeling with teabing um like professor Slug- slughorn would have done or i love that actor me too he, he would have been a great teabing in my opinion i don't know i think james peter could have done the job yeah <laughs> Um, I'm not one for overcasting James Spader. I don't think he should have been Ultron, <laughs> but I think he would have done well here. <laughs> I mean, he was fine as Ultron. Like a- anybody could have been Ultron, it would have been fine. I found it really distracting. I don't know. Right. I I'm so bad at recognizing just voices isolated. I mean, especially in the fucking. I guess Ultron's not a Transformer, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
You mean mechanized voices? I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, well, uh, well, no. I was about to say, like, in the Transformers movies, like, no matter how many times I watch it, I still have trouble hearing Hugo Weaving's voice as Megatron. Like, it doesn't sound like Hugo Weaving; it's like is a robot. Okay. Anyways, I don't want to talk about them in T Ping's house anymore. Silas comes in and does the thing, <laughs> and so when Silas comes in and is like about to wreck shit in T Ping's house, T Ping like hits him with the cane and knocks him down, and then Sophie just comes in and batters his head against the fucking it's ground un- like it's six brutal. times. It's like how is he not fucking dead? This is dead. a very hard floor, and you've been slamming his head against this yes. shit. Um, there's a lot of shaky cam in this scene. I am not on board. I yeah, don't like it at dumb. all. Something else happened. Oh, Calais and, and uh, yeah, the, the cops roll in. Yeah, the uh, cops so because the, the, like the gun shoots through a window, and so the cops are like well, we should probably go, and so they go. We, we've been getting them like finding out the armored cars at the mansion and shit. That's just happened, and it's not interesting. Uh, they're on the plane. Oh, they drive through the. Thing. They drive through the woods. Uh, we don't get any beauty shots of the Java Pearl Range Rover. We just get like Remy driving. Um, they never even turn on the headlights, which was very upsetting to my friend who likes cars. Oh, sorry. <laughs> turn on the cars. I want to see the car. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they go, they go to the hangar and they Your do the shit. Love these books. <laughs> he's, I, I know for a fact he's read Inferno. Um, they talk about his Audi S500 and <laughs> Inferno. Um, yeah, they get to the thing, they go on the plane, and they're on the plane. And Sophie goes and talks to Silas and is like, who do you work for? And he's like, I do the work of God. And she slaps him and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, but really, like, who do you work for? And he's like, I do the work of... And he's, like, lip is yeah. a little bit. And he's like, I do the work of God. And she slaps him. And I'm like, Remy's Re- Remy's also hot, right? Remy's super Remy's hot. Remy's very hot. Remy's <laughs> super, super handsome for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about this, actually. Yeah, so, I let Remy do a bank robbery to me on the French Riviera or whatever. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but it's Remy and Silas. <laughs> I know that actors as a whole are <laughs> handsome. Right? I mean, that's the, that's the theoretical They're supposed framework to be handsome we're for the in. most part, aside from like character, character actors yeah. or whatever. Who are hideous. Um, Vile. But there's like a crazy number of handsome men in this movie. Like, Silas is handsome. In my opinion, that Ronan Farrell looking guy is handsome. <laughs> <laughs> Remy is super handsome. Like... Uh, I think Renee is handsome. I thought the front desk man at uh, the 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 yeah, he's bank good was handsome. Like everyone's good looking. And yeah. it, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Anyway, as I was saying, she's like slapping up Silas, and I'm into <laughs> it. And, and then finally, she's like, "Your God doesn't pr- forgive murderers." <laughs> and there's like, which it's is a like lot. demonstrably not true, right? You can read the Bible and find out. Um, and then they go and like she and Robert Langdon have a plain heart to heart and I hate plain heart to hearts. Uh, I think I've blocked it out of my mind. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't remember what they talk about. Okay. We're off the plane. <laughs> they land. Off the plane. They land like the French. Oh, we have to talk about the one thing. Um, before they land. So Fash and Colet. Um, initially they think the flight plan is to Switzerland because it, it was. It was to Switzerland. How did they find... Oh, they, they opened... They, they pop up, They pop in the box at the London Riddle. And instead of it saying, like, the answer is Sophie, it says, like, 
a London yeah in night to London yeah and so and so they reroute the plane I mean also blessedly they instantly looked see the thing like we need a mirror this yeah, is mirror yeah. writing they don't um, know the whole like what language is this? and so then the plane redirects to London and in the meantime Fash has done an overzealous interrogation of the air tower controller at the airport they took off from to find out where they were going and he didn't know and so Fash beat the shit out of him. Yeah, the guy is like on his lunch break and Fash is like, hey man, uh, how could oh, you give us a thing? such a hero. He's like, oh, it's not my job, I'm on break. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> yeah. eating, I'm eating my sandwich. <laughs> and, and, and he punches him and he breaks his nose. Yeah. And the guy's like, fuck you, my nose. And, and then the he like knocks like, him to the ground and then Fash just like starts kicking the shit out of yeah, him. Yeah, he, he kicks him in the stomach and the groin and then he does a Leander the professional thing where he like does extraordinary violence and then in like a very measured yeah. way is like, okay, so please give me the information that I requested. Mm-hmm. Um, so he does get the information he requested because he's an asshole. And then uh, Cole later... Yeah, they're like up. they're like in a hangar, and they, they found out the plane's going to Switzerland, and it's like, oh, so Fash is like all pissed off about it. And Cole is like, you need to fucking cool it. Yeah. You're going to get someone killed. <laughs> he does it in a way more chill way. He's like, so uh, he is filing charges, and, uh, you know, it seems like you're a little off kilter from this one. And, and Fash is like, my priest told me to do this. Yes. And Cole so, is like, that is not how you do police work. Yeah. So so earlier in the film, we saw Fash make a phone call directly to Ringarosa. Yes. And so now we find out that in the movie, this makes more sense in the book. What happened was Fash received a phone call early this evening and he said, oh, a bishop from my order, which is Opus Dei, called me and told me this man, Robert Langdon, was... Uh, serial murderer and would keep on killing unless I stopped him. So that's how I knew he was guilty because my bishop broke the holy bonds of confession to tell me this thing and that I had to stop him or else more deaths would occur. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, and so that's that's why Fash has been so certain Robert Langdon's guilty is because Aringarosa lied to him and told him that Robert Langdon is a confessed murderer and will murder again. Okay, I have a question about this. And my question is, so Aringarosa's plan from the get-go was to frame Robert Langdon? So the teacher, I, th- I think what happened is the teacher told him that Langdon was a murderer. Cause, okay. Because it seems like, it seems like Aringarosa in this one is still, he's a little shadier than he was in the book, but he still is fundamentally a bishop at heart who isn't quite willing to go to the extreme lengths. I think he, I think the teacher told him Langdon's doing these murders. Okay, but the teacher mm-hmm. didn't even know Robert Langdon was involved until they discovered the body of... I think in the movie he does. Okay, hold on. I want to work through it. It's 9 p.m. and Bezufash discovers uh, in, in whatever light, in black light, mm-hmm. it says, find Robert Langdon. Yes. Right? At that point, he has already been warned that Robert Langdon is a murderer. I think so. Why would T-Bang, spoiler alert, know <laughs> that Robert Langdon was involved in any of this? He's supposed to just be in town for a lecture. He's only involved because um, Sonier, of his own volition, having read Langdon's book and knowing that he's in town, asked his uh, granddaughter to search for Robert Langdon. But also we know that he set a meeting with Robert Langdon and we know that Teabing has surveillance equipment oh, in his surveillance office. Equipment, I forgot about that. 
Maybe. <laughs> okay, it's it's not strong, but it, it is not it, strong. <laughs> but it's holding together. Okay, sorry. Where were we? <laughs> um. Oh, so at the end of the conversation, where Kulay kind of like does a very mild confrontation with Fash, and has like kind of grokked the reason for Fash's actions, she's like. Well, uh, the plane is rerouted to London, not Switzerland, where there is no extradition. <laughs> and so then they're going to go to London. Okay, so Cole is not writing. Like, I remember in uh, the book, Cole was like ride or die for fashion, no matter what he did. Mm-hmm. He was like, Fash has a plan. Yeah. And this one, Cole is like, you need to fucking cool it because I have kids at home and I cannot yeah. be involved in this. Um, and he does have kids at home. He talks about his daughter, which was nice. I didn't catch it. Oh, okay, I did. Um... Ian McKellen is doing a good job in this film. I yeah. It's not his best job, but he no, is doing better science. than many actors it's in It's no film. Magneto. It is, it is no Magneto. Um, he, so they do the plan where they like run out of the plane and get in the car. Well, it's, it's, it's more annoying than that. So like first we see the plane pull into the hangar, and then we see the steps coming down, Ian McKellen walking out, and he like talks to the police, and the, he's wearing a, a newsboy hat. And, um, he is. And, you know, he has, a, he has a whole thing with the police where they're like, uh, we have reason to believe you're smuggling a, a prisoner on board. It's not in the front of my mouth. It's not in the front of my mouth. I'm doing, it's, a different, it's a different accent. It's a different accent. It's very subtle. I do a lot of good accent work. <laughs> um, and he's like, no, no, I'm just an old man. Uh, <laughs> Sean Connery. Fuck. <laughs> um, anyways, and so... Uh, you know, he's like, you can shoot me if you want, but like, uh, also shoot us if you want. Start with Remy. There's no one on the plane. I have a medical appointment to get to. And he, they get in the car and wait for the police to like go on board. And they come, we got a bad tip. And um, then we cut back five minutes to see the plane rolling into the hangar the first time. And before it turns around, the steps come down. And that's when Langdon and Sophie and Silas come out and get in the back of the limo. So, you know, just that little flashback, an extra flashback in there. It's more like um, it's more like a town car than a limo. This one, right? Yeah. It's not a stretch limousine, so we don't have the issue of yeah. the geography of the limousine. And then delightfully, as they're pulling out after the costume, like, it's oh, it's it's, it's a, it's like tips his head, like, never trust the French. No, no, no. He says literally, the French cannot be trusted. And <laughs> yes. he just like drives off into the sunset. And um, sure enough, they go to Temple Church. They go to it. It's cool looking, um, but. It we makes, don't get like any beauty shots of it. We just like we just we see don't. like these like low ass angles of size of walls and shit. Yeah, it round walls. It um is weird because when you see the temple church in the film, it it makes whatever happened in the book make no sense. No, we're like walking around in a circle and like just suddenly notice that one of them doesn't have yeah. like, a figure on it. They're just all lined up there. And there's Not no and there's good. no and there's no like altar boy in this one to complicate things dan brown wants to write about places that exist in the real world without thinking that we'll look up what they look like can we talk about so like it plays out like in the book you know uh they're looking at the thing and then silas comes in and like has a knife to sophie's throat and then so hot <laughs> and then remy comes in and robert's so like, hot and like he's like he's like pointing a gun at sophie and silas robert land's like no you can't shoot her they're too close together you'll hit both of them and it's like we can see that robert um and then and you, you don't have a clear shot and then uh remy is like oh but i do and he like turns his gun at robert land's head and you're like shoot him shoot him um <laughs> and then you know silas leaves with t-bing 
as Silas left, he pushed Sophie to the floor. Robert runs over to help Sophie. They're now standing up across this wide open room from Remy, who's pointing a gun at them. How do they escape from this situation, Lena? Is this where there's a convenient bird? <laughs> a convenient several birds. A convenient, <gasps> notably a convenient set of doves. There's a, there's a bell that rings in the church, as as churches have, and it scares a bunch of birds that are living in Doves. This is important that they're doves, Lena. Doves are a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This is a, I believe, I fully believe this is supposed to be a direct intervention from God Almighty in the form of the Holy Spirit to let Robert, like, Sophie. Sophie, right? uh, Yeah, exactly. And so Robert and Sophie start running away and somehow Remy is distracted long enough by some doves flying pretty high overhead and they're flapping wings that he looks at them and doesn't notice soap them running away until they're too far away and he like tries to get some shots off and fucking misses them it's like this is a wide open fucking building you cannot be missing these people there are like 25 doves though running <laughs> around it is bananas <laughs> it is ridiculous but they do escape yeah this 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 is the scene where the chase music plays that i'm convinced is a garage band loop called chase scene it's like it's so fucking shitty oh not that strong i mean like they're like between the ice and water they're like that's kind of part of what i like about them is like once the ice melts, it's like all water. I think you should severely like underestimate how light of a way. That could be. And eventually, oh. they lose him. My brother was so upset when Remy showed up with a gun. He was like, "Why is Remy evil? He was just driving a car a second ago, and now he's evil." He has yeah. A gun? I mean, you gotta learn someday. Everyone's gonna turn on you, Omar. <laughs> Nobody is to be trusted. Trust no one. No, but the thing is, in the book, like Remy was like. There was, like, internal monologue, so he would, like... Yeah, you'd see him being like, shady earlier. Oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, in this one, he's just like, I'm driving, now I have a gun. Yeah. Like, well, we see him, like, get the gun in the limo and, like, look at Silas. Yes. Like, oh, you're gonna free Silas. Yeah. And so, Robert and Sophie lose Remy. Mm-hmm. Remy meets back up with Silas. Mm-hmm. Well, first, uh, Cole goes into the loft and discovers the surveillance area. Only in the extended version. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't get any points against me for having watched the extended version. I watched it too. I watched it too. Yeah. Okay. I'm just telling. I'm just letting you know. In the extended version, Kalei. This is one. Of, this is this is one of the only. Area. This is like one of the only longish scenes to be included in the extended, but not theatrical. It's the only one longer than two minutes. I mean, I think it's the it's important because otherwise, the stuff that we discussed about. Um, yeah, and it makes so much sense with it. Well, it makes more sense <laughs> with it, at least. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so, so Remy and Silas are Remy, away. Remy and Silas meet back up, um, and basically Remy pretends he's the teacher to Silas, and he like kisses Silas on the forehead and says, good job, buddy. Go but to Your part's day. done. Go to the Opus Dei thing. Hide out. You know, your, your, your part in this thing is done. And so Silas goes to the Opus Day Center, and do we see this? Do we see Robert and Sylvie, Sophie in the bus first, or do we get the tragic, uh, we demise? Get the tragic demise? Okay. First, yeah. So then we see Remy like at the 
dock side somewhere, I guess. I have no idea. Talking to no talking, one. Talking to no one we can see on camera because it's right. still very mysterious. And he's like, I had that idiot convinced I was the teacher. Uh, uh, uh. I should have been an actor. And he receives a flask and they could have easily shown that gloved hand giving the flask. Yeah, like he has a little flask. It's like a very adorable little because flask. the teacher is wearing fingerless gloves. Yes. And he takes a little sip from the flask. He's like, oh, yes, soon we'll be sipping uh, the French Riviera, and I will never reveal your identity to the day I die. He's and super handsome. he instantly starts convulsing, like, ah! And his like, tongue swells up yeah. and stuff. And he's like, out on the floor, and there's like a lens flare the moment of his death. And mm-hmm. it's like very lens flare. And then we see the fingerless gloves pulling out his cell phone, pulling out something. I think cell it's a cell phone. Because he calls yeah. uh, the police mm, and it's like there are like, two murderers at like Opus Dei. Yeah. Two murderers at Opus Dei? I know. He says he knows the location of two murders, one of the French police, which is Robert and Sophie at yeah. Westminster Abbey, I believe. No, he says that it's at the Opus Dei headquarters in London. Oh, weird. So he's calling the police on, on uh, 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 Silas. Silas. Okay. But there's only one person at. I guess okay. he knows Bishop Ringerus yeah. is coming to I, I guess. Day? I guess after two murders, I assumed he was telling where Robert and Sophie were. Mm-mm, he okay. was talking about uh, Ringerus, I think. And so then we cut over to Robert and Sophie on the bus. Sophie's leg is bleeding profusely. Because so much blood. <laughs> because of the way she got pushed down by Silas in the church. She got like hit in one of her, like I don't know, venal arteries yeah, or whatever. I don't know. And, um <laughs> her, her calf is like bleeding a lot. It's like they hit somewhere very bad, and she's like gushing blood. yeah but like don't worry about it he's still gonna flirt with some dude yeah exactly they're on the bus and like they're they're gonna go to the library to try to figure this out and then the library is too far away by the bus system which like fucking shell out for a cab homies like right. come on so he's like well I, i'll uh, one minute i'm going to get us a library card and i was like uh? and then she comes back a second later and it's like come with me and robert follows at the back of the bus where she's uh then's like here uh and this like man gives robert his phone he's like you didn't tell me you had a girlfriend uh or boyfriend excuse me um implying that sophie like flirted this guy to let her use his phone on the implied grounds that that would increase his sexual status in her mind i guess I yeah, don't it's know. very confusing because, like, um, Sophie, first of all, flirts with a guy to use his phone. As and her leg is, like, bleeding so bad. You can bad. ask, like, yeah, a person. when if I use your phone, yeah. especially if the person is, like, injured. Also, to be fair, she's using, like, internet data on his flip phone on in his, like, 2003 LG or whatever. Chocolate. yeah. And, like, that has to be expensive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, then Robert starts, like, looking for the shit, and he's like, all he can find is Alexander Pope, and the guy's like... Uh, see, it's just your simple linguistic problem, right, man? You're just getting, you're getting all these hits for some bloke named Alexander Pope. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Sophie, your grandpa was a genius. Yeah. Um, and then that's how they know they go to Westminster Abbey to the thing. And so they go there and they stand in front of his tomb, which is, it's like in the book, Newton's tomb, which I should have checked, is like in a kind of side chamber of the main abbey. But at least in the movie, I guess I assume in real life, Newton's tomb is like in the dead center of it where everybody is all the time. Yeah. It's like a tourist attraction. Yeah. I kind of, yeah, I assumed it was kind of like an enclave. somewhere. Yeah. And so they're standing in front of it and looking at it for a long time. And then Sophie's like, Robert, look. Oh wait, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Before they get into uh, Westminster Abbey, 
we were treated to a blurry diorama <laughs> of, of what the past must have looked like around Westminster Abbey. Oh my Abbey. god! It is so weird. It's just, like, it's just like we, and we awful. see Newton's funeral, I guess, happening. Yeah. as they walk into it's it, so it's weird, stupid, and it, it, it's so. I hope that scene is like on YouTube or something. It's so <laughs> bizarre. It's such a weird choice. They spent all their money on it. Yeah, and so Robert starts like looking at the. Need to stop squeaking. The oh, is it squeaking? Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't hear it. Um, and so Robert starts like looking at the Newtons too. And he's like, "What's not on it? Signs of the zodiac, constellations. It's, done. it's missing the moons of Saturn. It's missing the moons of Jupiter." Uh, and and Sophie's like not looking at it. She's doing something. Sophie's else. looking at the dust on the ground because she's like, "Look at the dust in the ground. The footprints. There's cane marks with them." And it's like, I've been to Westminster Abbey. Admittedly, it was not under renovation at either time I've been there, but. I don't think even in renovations by the tomb of Newton, they're going to let the dust build up on the ground to the yeah. extent where you can like clearly see this motherfucker's footprints well, and cane marks. The dust couldn't gather, right? Because it's clearly a tourist area. Yeah. And people are walking up to it all fucking day and Damn. like dragging their tourist feet all over it. There wouldn't be dust on the ground. Yeah. And so then Ian McKellen walks up and is like, hi. Um, he pulls out a gun and threatens them and then drags them to the chapter house like he does in the book except instead of instead of luring them there he forces them there which makes more sense and you know they have their whole confrontation there and threaten threatening people and threatening people and teaming's gonna shoot everybody but he won't shoot sophie because she's you know the 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 seneschal he's not gonna shoot her or whatever well when 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 they find out that lee teaming is the teacher like the moment they find him in uh newton's tomb is extraordinarily underwhelming yes he shows up and he's like I've been orchestrating this whole thing. And LinkedIn and Sophie are like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's not very cool, Lee. And LinkedIn's like, let's just leave, Sophie. And it's just like. And yeah, we've got got to walk away. That's when he pulls out the gun. It's like, you can't just walk away. (laughs) I guess we won't walk away. (laughs) And so eventually it gets to the point where Teabing has the gun on Sophie and Robert Langdon is deciding that he's going to try to decipher this cryptic. So he turns away from Lee to think and he conjures in front of him with his non eidetic, but like generous what he sees memory. He conjures in front of him this vision of the tomb of Newton. And, and there's shit moving around. There's orbs yeah. spinning. And like it, it, it pans out into a vision of the solar system in motion. You're like, come on. It is awful. <laughs> it is expensive and unnecessary. And. and- it could have been done with like just flashes of like yeah. looking at the tomb, looking at the tomb, yeah. looking at the hand, and instead it's like, Ooh, yeah, he he, he he sees like the empty hand of Newton, and like you might notice we haven't seen his hands with the cryptex for quite a while now, That's right. and he finally like you see like a minor look that could be realization on his face, or it could just be like Tom Hanks having a stomach problem. And we see the hand of Newton, yeah. Also, it's it's just like empty. And so then Robert like turns around for a while, it's like. Oh, Sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't get it. And Teabing's like about to say something, and Robert throws the cryptex in the air, and Teabing does the thing where he dives to catch it and gets all fucked up. Mm-hmm. As the and he's trying to op- bash the cryptex against the ground to open the, it. The as died. as the police are walking in, guns drawn, and they're like, make Sophie drop her the gun that she's picked up now, and she kicks it over to them, like, get him. No, the one on the ground. Talking about Lee Teabing, because the police have now found out that Lee Teabing is actually the one behind all this. And Teabing's dragged out to the police cars. He's raving about, hey, hey, I 
possess the key to the Holy Grail. Ah! And And he's like, ah, you solved it, you asshole. Yeah, exactly. He he realized that Robert must have solved it. And Robert did solve it. It was Apple. He got a a paper out, and it leads them to Roslyn. Um, uh, Langdon and and Sophie are kind of getting close a little bit. Um, Yeah. They're in the police office. He, like, puts his hand on her lower back. This This scene is... This scene is extended in the extended version. Oh, okay. In the extended version, you can see them after they've given their testimony to the police, sitting at a desk and then leaving. Um, and as they leave the police station, uh, they uh, he's like, "By the way, I have I have the, the yeah. scrolls of the Holy Grail, and it says go to Roslyn." And what has been happening in the meantime is the entire tragedy of Silas. <sighs> So Silas is in his little room at Opus Day, About to whip himself. About to whip himself. And in the mirror, he notices the cop cars rolling up. That's right. And so he starts running, trying to run away, gets down outside. He's not naked for the scene, although he is in the he, book. Yeah. Yeah. Tragic. I know. Um, he does, however, gun down either three or four cops. Many cops. Four, maybe. It's... Yeah, he's Good like work. he's got um, a gun and he's shooting around and and then Silas comes up or Aringarosa comes up behind him running says, down Silas, and is like Silas, 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 stop! And Silas turns around and shoots him before he realizes what's happening. And then the one final cop comes down and shoots Silas, like six shots yeah. in the back. Yeah, and so Silas kind of kneels over a ringarosa i guess a little bit his destiny's not quite as lyrical as it is in the book i liked it in the book a he lot. doesn't get it's to go into the fog at kensington garden and kneel down right. there and he doesn't instead, carry a ringarosa to the hospital yeah his hands in the rain yeah instead he just kind of like collapses there on the street next to a ringarosa and the pool of blood underneath a ringarosa is enormous huge i and thought so, like, I, was, was I was dead. i was like oh i guess a ringarosa dies in this one Similarly, in the flashback that Silas has to his origin story, where he uh, kills his father, yeah. right? You are a ghost. And like. Marries his mother. Stop. <laughs> and goes to prison and like reads the Bible a lot and then Earthquake yeah. and then Aringarosa. Like, Aringarosa looks dead when, yeah. when Silas finds him after killing the, oh, the attacker. Oh, yes. Yeah. My brother was like, after, because after that flashback, we see Aringarosa in the plane. And my brother was like, didn't that guy die? Yeah. And I was like, no, he just had a really bad, like, bloody yeah. nose, I guess. Uh, weird. So, in the extended version, that flashback to Silas' origin, in the theatrical one, it's like eight seconds shorter, so we don't see the earthquake releasing him from prison. It just seems like he met Aringarosa while he was in prison. I don't, what? You can't do that. <laughs> it's just an eight second change. Um, so, yeah. And Aringarosa lives, and so, like, I think in the whole police interview sequence, Fast kind of gets to apologize to Robert and Sophie, and Aringarosa, I think, apologizes to Fash, and everyone's sorry. It was all a big misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, God, thank God, the movie's almost over, except no, it's, it's not. It's so much longer. <laughs> um, Robert and Sophie go to Roslyn. They take forever getting down oh, to the wait. basement. I'm sorry, you okay. skipped the part where uh, Aringarosa was like, I was just trying to save the church. And Fash is like, you betrayed me, my bishop. Go to prison. So oh, yeah. they take him away. Yeah. Um, Robert and Sophie go to the church at Roslyn. It's very nice and green there. It's pretty. They go inside. Robert 
unlike his idiot ass in the book, realizes the Star of David is the union of the blade and chalice. Immediately. It's not on the um, floor also, because I doubt it's on the floor. In, in the yeah. Line. And they go down... And in the movie, unlike the book, they find this like crazy chamber down there where the sarcophagus used to be, and now it just has a vase with a rose in it. And but all the archives and books and stuff are still there. So he's like, I think these are the Grail documents. And like the docent, Robert does the shittiest thing I've ever seen him do. So when they're about to go down to the basement, I'm looking around. The docent comes up. Uh, he's like, Oh, we're about to close. And Robert just like looks at him, like. We'll just be a few minutes. Looks him in the eye, pulls out like a quarter from his pocket, and just top drops it into the like uh, donation bin. It's like, wow, a high roller, buddy. This is why you get to stay after hours, son. It sucks so much. It sucks really bad. And um, we get a couple. Like uh, Robert England has a lot of like, what's going on? Like this place and stuff. Yeah. Like, I think I've been here before. Mm-hmm. And she's like a manic manic pixie. I'm sorry. <laughs> a manic pixie dream girl. She's a manic. She's a Mr. Mix Pixie the Superman villain. <laughs> she's a manic pixie <laughs> Pez dispenser of wisdom, basically. There we go. Like, I don't know. She's like, oh, huh? I wonder if this, like, like having like just she's just dropping like cute wisdom. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's stupid. I hate it. Um. She tells him a little bit about her flashback mm-hmm. to uh, what happened after when she was older. Yeah. And there was like the first, they had the first fight and she went to boarding school and then she saw something she wasn't supposed to see. And we don't see him fucking his wife at that point. No. And it's okay. Um, and then they go underground. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and like as they're underground, we're seeing all these cars full of mysterious people pop up to the church, walk into the church. And it's like, oh, this, this is no good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and like the docent is letting them all in. And, like, as they're downstairs, uh, realizing this is the room where the Holy Grail was, but all the documents are still there. And like, oh, my God, this might be in Da Vinci's own hand. These go back to the time of the death of Christ. Yeah. And then Tom Hanks says, uh, descended from the Merovingian kings. It's Merovingian. I've never. Merovingian. He says Merovingian. Oh. Um, and I, I, I like lost my shit. It's like, anybody hire some of you on a fucking ounce of research and that's fucking bullshit. Well, Percy says, Sonir was never your grandfather. Yeah. Right? They discovered- Why do they make this change? I, for no <laughs> fucking reason. Um, it's, it does not, it does not make it better, I don't think. Yeah. So like, basically the idea here is, Sophie's family is descended from Jesus and like her mom and dad did die in the car crash. But then instead of Sonier being her real grandfather, the reason she doesn't have a Merovingian last name and that she's a Sonier is because Sonier is not her real grandfather. He's just the grandmaster of the prior of Sion. They gave the, the bloodline of Jesus to the grandmaster to protect. Um, although like, Part of it is like it's a little bit of a coincidence that you're the daughter of Jesus and your grandfather happens to be. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess, I guess the, the the theory here is that it doesn't make a lot of sense in the book. The prior scions there to protect the bloodline of Jesus. All these other grandmasters are like famous figures of history. Why is this one grandmaster just happens to be part of the bloodline yeah. of Jesus? Yeah. Um, Although I guess he he'd just be married into the bloodline of Jesus because the bloodline is carried through the mother's side. As yes. we learn, because it's Mary Magdalene to her daughter, Sarah. Right. 
Um, and thus the French Salic law that is so much of the plot of the wonderful play Henry V. <laughs> um, it's it's okay. It, the way that Robert Lincoln tells her about this, for, so she sa- he says, like, your name isn't Sonia, it's St. Clair, right? Which mm-hmm. is a Merovingian last name. Um, and you are the end of the bloodline, which is not a good mm-hmm. way to phrase it because it no. sounds like you're the last one. You should probably yeah. reproduce. Maybe with a Harvard person. <laughs> Get those brain cells into that baby. <laughs> Very gross. Um, it's just so funny because people got like big mad at this movie yeah. being heretical, and it's just like it's, a bad it's, movie. it's too stupid to be like good heresy. <laughs> they they come back upstairs and like as they're doing so, the last of all these strangers are arriving in the church, and the docent locks the door behind them as they come in. So Robert and Sophie come up, and the church is like full of these assholes, and they're like. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? Like, this takes forever. Yeah, oh, so long. We're here to protect you, Sophie. And then, like, the one comes up. He's like, Sophie, I've waited so long to see you. And it's it's her grandma. It is her real grandma. Yes. And we so, don't know why she didn't just live with her. Somewhere around here, we do get the flashback of we get two flashbacks. One, we find out that when Sophie was a little girl and was trying to find her family, her grandpa found her digging around in his desk. And he like, no, that was earlier. We found that out. Earlier. Okay, That's but like the, the flashback, I don't think we saw it, see until like they're in the basement, right? Because like it's not to the very end that we see like him almost fucking hit her. Like he's borderline abusive in this scene. No, that we see that one in um we see that one earlier when they're in really the de Boulogne. Yeah. Okay. But what we see here is her grandfather. We do see him fucking, <laughs> and they're like they're, they're very into it. Yeah. But like, we're gonna mean this. In the Heroes Gamos, do you, I assumed <laughs> that there wouldn't be a blanket involved in their, in their sex right, but in this PG-13 movie, there's like a little blanket over them. Yeah, so. they're covered by a blanket. You just see like the the muscular back of like yeah. a beautiful older woman. And yeah. Like his... <laughs> yeah, she, she's oh, not like over plump in this one. No, she's She's like a sexy older lady. Yeah, and he's like holding onto her neck the back of her neck and it's, it's it's a lot it's by far the least erotic part of this film <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's yeah well except for when dan brown is up on screen uh well, yeah. <laughs> at the book signing God, the book signing. uh my son says you're his favorite teacher i think i already gave him a b minus b plus a minus i know um it's not like any <laughs> professor knows what they gave their students no not, especially, especially not their undergrad students yeah, are you joking absolutely me not. um and so then Sophie like meets with her whole family and Robert's there and it is interminable. <laughs> uh, yeah, it takes for fucking They everything. give Sophie a nice plaid blanket and then like instead of staying around to fuck, Robert Langdon is gonna head out and Sophie like says bye to him and then like on the way out No no no, hold on. I wanna go over <laughs> Yes. <it. laughs> okay, so she, Robert Langdon is like I don't know, near the grandma's house or whatever, mm-hmm. and, like, looking at the church. And Sophie's like, hey. And Robert's <laughs> like, hi. And <laughs> Sophie's like, so uh, they told me that they want to tell me a few things, so I'm going to, like, hang out for a second. And Robert's like, yeah, yeah I got to head back to Paris <laughs> for whatever reason. And it's so long. <laughs> and and she's, she's wrapped in this blanket. And it's, like, not as overtly flirty as it is in the book. Um... But it is pretty awful, and so they have like a, a couple bantery moments. Yeah, 
And he's like, maybe, you know, the, that boy, that, that man you gave 50 euros to will never do drugs again. Did he say that? Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you healed my claustrophobia, which you did. <laughs> I like, think that might be extended edition. I didn't, I didn't watch. That's extended edition. I must confess, I didn't watch the very yeah. end of the extended edition. I've well, only watched the first oh. two hours and 35 minutes of the extended edition. Well, I, I own the extended edition <laughs> now. Same here. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, so, yeah, he says, like, maybe that guy you paid will never do drugs again because you're Jesus. And she's like, I don't know about that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so they like have a couple moments and they like look at each other and like they look at each other's lips and then they hug. (laughs) And I'm like, weird. (laughs) And they pull back and like, look, okay. So as, as we discussed last night over text, uh, Tom Hanks is 20 years, the senior of, and, uh, uh, listeners, you might as well know. I am in a relationship with someone 18 years my senior. I serially date older men, likely as a result uh, of Forrest not paying any attention to me when I was 14. I am not 20 years older than <laughs> no, you. Shut the fuck I'm, up. No, no, no. My origin story for dating older men is much more traumatic than that, I promise. But, um, no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, but it's, it's creepy to see Audrey, Audrey Tattoo and, uh, and Tom Hanks. They are not... Even in the same league of French person. Yeah, like, if I that mean, had been Vernet and her, yeah. I would be like, they look, you know, good together. Yeah, because, like, they, there are people who are 20 years apart who, like, look like they could be together. And there's people 20 years apart where it's like, no, you look, like, on the very, like, young end of 30. Like, you look like you could be 25. Yeah, and you, and you look old end of 30. And you yeah. are like, ugh, it's not good. And, and absolutely not. <laughs> um, so... It's upsetting because you're looking at them and they clearly want to fuck, but they won't yeah. because it's a PG-13 film and it's an inappropriate age gap. And uh, so they hug, which is weird. They do. And then later they pull back and they look at each other again and they're like, I fucking. And they like look at each other's lips and their bodies move close together. <laughs> and then <laughs> to mirror what happened earlier, Robert Langdon holds her head. And kisses her forehead. He does kiss her like forehead. Like a stepdad. <laughs> it's rough. And then they like pull back and they continue to eye. <laughs> it takes for fucking ever. I was going to skip over all of this. It's <laughs> important they know. They keep looking at each other. And her like chest is heaving. And he's like looking down at her lips. And then they pull apart. And she's like, bye forever. And... And this, this this is the part I want to talk about. Okay, guys. <laughs> so she's walking away. Robert's kind of like staring back at her, and then she like turns and says, "Hey," and then she's like standing by a little pond of water, and she like gets up after she says "Hey" to him. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> and she like dips her foot into the water, and like it it goes a little bit closer. She's like, "I guess not." <laughs> Yeah, so she like tries to walk on water, and, like doesn't work. That like, part, oh. that part, I I I genuinely like that. I think no, that's I great. It, too. it was cute. Um, and so then it's still not over. <laughs> yeah, the movie continues. Because like I was, I, I, I was with my friend, and like he was getting like I, I warned him ahead of time. I did not just make him do this. I was like, you know, it's it's, it's long and it's awful. And he's like, that's not a problem. We're gonna be drinking. It'll be fine. And so we're at this point of the movie, and I was like, we're not done yet. And he's Wait. like, oh, no. <laughs> I wanted to. This happened a long time ago, but as they're walking to the temple church. They do discuss that uh, Robert Lane is claustrophobic. I just want to address uh, that. Really I missed quick. that. Yeah, maybe it's in the extended edition. Oh the yeah, in, the, the, like, in Temple Church, yes, they remember? fell in the well. Yeah, yeah, do you remember that you fell in a well? And Robert Lane was like, "Yeah, it haunts me every day of my yeah. life." Thanks. Um, 
Okay, yes, uh, the movie continues from this So, point. yeah, this is where, at the very beginning, we talked about how the, the music starts here. Like, there's a nice cello melody, mm-hmm. and the violins come in, like, they're doing arpeggios in the background or whatever. And, like, Robert wakes up in his room in the Hotel Ritz, and he's, like, has a revelation. He, like, goes to his own book to flip through pages to feels like, oh, my God, there's a rose line in Paris. Oh, he's shirtless. He has he just is, popped oh, out God. of the shower. Oh, God. And he's shirtless, and he's wearing oh, my a God. towel over his uh, lower, it, yeah, lower it, half. It starts off, and he's shaving. He's shaving, and he cuts, he himself, cuts shaving. himself shaving with a fucking safety razor. I've never in a million years. I don't <laughs> know how you do that. Um <laughs> And so, like, the music starts swelling behind him as he realizes, like, oh, my God, uh, this riddle doesn't just lead us to Rosalind. It could also lead us on the Rose Line in Paris. Well, okay, the reason why he thinks that is that the blood pools in his sink and it creates a line. Yes. And he's like, oh, yes, bloodline, Rose Line. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's got, like, shoulders, Tom Hanks shoulders. Yeah. But they don't ever... He's not a swimmer in this movie. No. He's not a swimmer until the next film. Also, okay, so the young Robert Langdon falls into a well right where he has to tread water for like a full day the rest of his life he is claustrophobic as shit but he also loves swimming (laughs) i think okay i actually thought about this so i think it's his way of gaining control over what happened to him as a child you know people a lot of people who have survived sexual assault have rape fantasies later in life to like help them regain control over that traumatic experience my guess is his uh playing water polo and stuff that's him trying to regain control over that traumatic experience. But why doesn't he also become a, a illusionist? <laughs> We're going different ways with that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, wait, I did want to address something. Oh, fuck, I forget. It's about his swimming. Oh, no, it was important. Okay, <laughs> just forget it. Okay, so yeah, he goes, he follows the little rose eye markers in Paris until he gets to the pyramids at the Louvre, and it's like, oh my god, the inverted pyramid, and then the, the upright pyramid underneath it, this is where it is, this fulfills all the things in the riddle, and then the camera pierces through the stone pyramid, pyramid at the bottom of the thing, and we see the tomb of Mary Magdalene, directed by Ron Howard. <laughs> Why would you... Like put your name triumphantly at the end of this piece of shit. It's it's like uh it's like the Tarantino thing, you know, he, at the end of Inglorious Bastards, where he like, uh, Brad Pitt carves the swastika into that yeah. Nazi's head and says, "I think this might be my greatest masterpiece," directed by Quentin Tarantino. But like that movie's good. Yes, it is good. Is the and difference? Fucking <laughs> blows. It's so awful. Um, yeah, yeah, you guys, we watched this film. And I don't recommend that you do the same because Please it's, not, don't. it's not good enough to watch. It's so long. It's not even fun. It's just long. And oh, the thing I wanted to talk about that was important is the way they do these flashbacks. Not the flashbacks uh, to biblical times. Those are fine. I mean, they're weird and like sepia toned. Yeah. But the flashbacks to the recent past, like um, to Sophie's I think they were the same way. No. <laughs> they use a like an indigo blue purple filter and they're shot with that like kind of like camera lag yeah and it's atrocious to watch it i mean they look like, like video game cutscenes. i wish they looked like video game cutscenes. there's <laughs> <laughs> ron howard why because like so he does like ambitious camera work <laughs> ambitious far beyond his capabilities yeah. camera work but this just seems like Maybe he passed it on to someone else to do it. I mean, my Ron Howard theory is that Ron Howard is entirely dependent upon a script. 
which is why Apollo 13 is good because mm. like how do you fuck that up whereas like everything else he's ever done is like yikes it like yikes, is, yikes. is 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 awful to middling it's like all he it's I mean like, that's why Arrested Development is good right? yeah because yeah, I mean, he didn't direct is, it did he not he's, he's, he's just, just the voice of the narrator oh that's all, I don't, fuck you Ron Howard you've done nothing <laughs> you've done nothing nothing Opie Useless. is adorable he doesn't like when you call him Opie. And Bryce Dallas Howard is sometimes good in movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not always. Jurassic no, World's god awful. That's not her fault, though. I'm not going to blame that the on Jurassic her. Jurassic World? Yeah. She's she's the woman in Jurassic World? Uh-huh. I just consider her not Jessica Chastain when I watched that film. Ouch. Um, <laughs> I mean, she looks similar enough, but is not. That's fair. Okay. Uh, Angel for the movie. I know who it is. Who my angel is? I suspect. I mean, <laughs> my feelings are a little more sinful than angelic. <laughs> I, I mean, that's fine. We can call it Grandmaster. <laughs> Let's call it Grandmaster. Uh, Silas, one hundred percent. Yeah, second. Really in. made it. It didn't make. It, okay, sorry. It didn't make it worth watching, but it made it. It alleviated the pain. Yeah, of watching it seconded to watch him just be like pale and naked and wounded and like in need of. <laughs> Some kind of, you know, physical contact, some kind of touch. Has it inspired within you the need to write fan fiction? Not yet. <laughs> is is there going to be an episode of this podcast where I make us read Dan Brown fan fiction? Is there? Yes. Is it about Silas? <laughs> I hope so. None of the ones I've read yet are oh. about Silas. <laughs> <Right now>. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh yeah, my, oh, an- my 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 angel grandmaster is also Silas. You guys, uh, do you have a demon or a teacher for this book? Hold on, it's it's whoever cut uh, whoever cut Robert Langdon's hair. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> it's really rough. awful. It's really bad hair. Yeah. How about for you? For me, I think it must be Ron Howard. I can't. There, there can't be anyone else other than Ron Howard. Is that saying Dan like, Brown? <laughs> it, it is, but like you're allowed to say Dan Brown. I'm allowed to say Ron Howard. Like, <sighs> it's bad, you guys. It's boring. It seems to me there must be a way to make this a good movie. I'm not entirely convinced on that, but like, <sighs> there has to be something better than this. This is awful. You guys, I cannot overstate how much I want. To have sex with Silas in this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He looks really good. And I'm not saying you should watch this film, but I would. I mean, the film costs $5. And That's like, true. you could just look at Silas in the film or like look at pictures. He looks so good. And I think, no, that's not true. You can't look at pictures because part of it is in like his jaw clench. And like, it's, there's, there's, there's a lot of like particular motions that make it good. Cause like, I think in isolation and stills, his face is like unappealing in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 how he uses it. You don't want to look at pictures of what who Paul Bettany. You don't want to look at pictures of him. You no. want to watch him in motion, yeah. right? Um, and for much of the same reason, Vision I think is the hottest Avenger. That's I mean, people tend to like. I spent cut. I spent like half an hour yesterday looking at that tweet you did of that with the poll, and I was like, "What's the What's a funny answer I can give that's different and contrarian?" And I was like, Ugh. "I mean, like, if I'm being honest, I think that Elizabeth Olsen's hotter, but like, 
There's not there's not a funny and I also think that Thor is hotter. But, I don't see, um, okay, Chris Hemsworth does absolutely zero for me. Yeah, that's that's one thing where you and I differ. Yeah, and like Chris Evans is cute, but I think Paul Bettany's hotter. And like, but then I was like, there's not like a there's not like a funny wrong answer I could give to this where it'd be like, oh, uh, what a ridiculous thing to think that like, you know, the Igor assistant is actually the sexier one because <laughs> there is not one. <laughs> I think Vision is the hottest. I think there's something also about. Uh, like men who are kind of not real, <laughs> <laughs> like like personified consciousness, like Zordon, <laughs> <laughs> Danny Phantom. <laughs> Alan Tudyk looks like if Dan Brown were fuckable. One hundred percent, yes. Um, Alan Tudyk is confusing for me because I watched Firefly at a time that I was dating kind of a uh, clown, and um, the relationship between Alan Tudyk's character and uh, the woman his, his wife the, she's, the, she's in hannibal the, yeah the, the <laughs> goddess with the beautiful uh, why can i not remember her name right now i know made me think that it was okay for me to be dating clowns uh, because i was like but they love each other you yeah, know and they, they need each, each other. other and uh i uh, that was unhealthy for me i think that was just joss whedon hoping that women would settle for him <laughs> <laughs> gina saying? torres gina torres every now and again she shows up in shows that like She's clearly only on because of Firefly. It's like, you're too good for this show, and it's a shame you can only get work on these shows based off Firefly because of, like, the sci-fi cred or whatever. Uh, I recommend, instead of watching this film, everyone, you watch Geostorm, and then you watch uh, the video for Ape Shit. And then after that, you uh, watch uh, Hannibal. I recommend you watch Point Break. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, I shit. To follow us on social media. Yeah. Um, follow us at uh, Dan Brown Code Pod. Uh, Send us your solutions to the riddle I found buried gonna... deep underneath the earth. Yes, we're going to post it up on the Twitter. Uh, you can email us. You can follow me at Lena Jamili, L I N A J E M I L I. You can follow me at Wishbone Ulysses. It's Wishbone Ulysses. <laughs> and um, the next book is. Digital Fortress. Have you started it? I don't even have it yet. I'm going to order it today. I'm it's, not looking forward to it. Uh, you're going to love it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to love it, Forrest. And you know that. It's going to be horrible for me. Oh, uh, you're going to be there in your first year of law school classes being like, okay, the Constitution's <laughs> document written in 1786. Um, and it has yeah. laws in it that I've got to learn. The first one is... Um, Article one, <laughs> and then you'd be like, "But what about what Kate Fletcher's up to?" <laughs> Susan Fletcher, fuck. Um, Have a wonderful summer. Happy yeah. Leo season. Hags. Hags. Hags, everyone, and goodbye. Bye.